the show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. It'll be fine on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barn Dominium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chief Sports Network. Juice Wells, all the way, touchdown Gamecocks! Pressure, and he just dives in! All right, greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Signorama Studios. They're the preferred sign partners of Gamecock Athletics. And of course, we're built by the barndominiumco.com or the barndoco. The barndominiumco.com is where you can go to find and build your dream home for as low as $160 per square foot if you live in the Carolinas, if you live in Georgia, or if you live in Tennessee. We, have, of course, are served by Chicken Cock Whiskey as well, and I had plenty of that over the weekend, and hopefully all of you who are now on to the new trend of great bourbon, you're doing the same. Chicken Cock Whiskey, you can find it on the Chief Sports app, which hopefully all of you have downloaded. JC will be along in just a moment. John Whittle will be joining us today. Pat DeMarco as well. We've got some film to go through with him following this weekend's loss, again, for South Carolina. They're fifth in a row to the Missouri Tigers up in Columbia, Missouri, where the Mayor's Cup will remain for at least one more year. JB and Phil, we're all here until 2 o'clock this afternoon as we kick off another work week and hope that you'll spend the next couple of hours with us here on our program. We'll also uh, take a look at the rest of the SEC and the rest of the nation. It was a pretty eventful Saturday. If you stayed up late Saturday night, there was a lot being – a lot – a lot of crazy stuff going on in college football, including Clemson dropping their ball game in double overtime down in Miami. Uh, you had Southern Cal slipping and falling to Utah. Uh, so it was a pretty wild Saturday night. There was a lot of close games on Saturday afternoon as well. Unfortunately, the Gamecocks uh, were not one of them. One note I want to pass along today is the funeral of Tommy Moody. Our thoughts and prayers are with Casey, Jamie, and their entire family as they mourn his loss. Uh, he will be celebrated at 2 p.m. today at Founders Park. And although we can't be there, we will be there in spirit. There's no doubt about that. Gamecock Baseball will scrimmage three times this week as well. And um, they will uh, move forward honoring Tommy Mooney, the legendary broadcaster for uh, Carolina Baseball. But, uh, Phil, another loss this weekend. It's uh, it's it's rough sledding right now for, for the Gamecocks. Um at two and five, you know, one and four in the league, it's it's certainly not anywhere close to where they 
thought they'd be or where they wanted to be. Uh, they are near the bottom of the SEC. They're one of five teams with one only one win or less. Of course, Auburn, Arkansas, and Vanderbilt are all winless. I guess that's something to be said. Um, but, you know, it, when you uh, when you kind of put everything into one glass – it's they're they're just not they're not good right now and and you know certainly you you always want a little bit more talent here and there uh personally phil i i don't think it's any one thing i don't that's not i don't think that's possible i think that um there are some units that are are poorly coached on this team uh that always will start at the top with coach beamer he recognizes that and he should um you don't have consistency week in and week out in, in different sides of the ball, different position groups. You've got a lot of injuries, and we'll find out tomorrow more on the injury situation, but it could be getting a little bit worse. And uh, you don't have a lot of confidence in that locker room. So, you know, when when you're injured and banged up and you're not very confident and you're poorly coached in some areas – and maybe lacking in depth and talent and others that that in, in, in a league like this it it could be it could be rough and it's been rough for Gamecock football they've got another road trip coming up this weekend as we all well know they'll head to college station and then we'll find out today at what time they'll kick off against Rich Rodriguez in Jacksonville State at home on Monday or I'm sorry on Saturday November the 4th the good news is there is good news. There is a little bit of a silver lining in all of this, and I know that it's doom and gloom right now, but there is some silver lining in all of this, Phil, and that is that they get four very winnable and very manageable home games in November. No, they might not win seven, eight-plus games this year. They won't, but they could still go to a bowl game with a win over their rival, which will be their second win in a row over that rival if you can get it done. So there's still a lot to play for and continued improvement in the direction of the program and all those type of things. But it's hard to see the sunlight when you're so far down the rabbit hole where they are right now. It was a, a rough weekend in Columbia, Missouri. Yeah, for sure. It's just the road woes continue. I mean, you haven't won a game outside of williams Bryce since you beat, you know, Clemson last year. Uh, and it's something's got to give. <clears throat> I mean, I, I – it's just there's injuries mounting, but I mean, it's getting to the point now we've seen enough football to know that there are a lot of position groups who are not playing well that don't look like they've really made very much progress from week one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, even with basically the same personnel that you had at the end of the North Carolina game. And, you know, it's like you said, I mean, it starts at the top and then filters its way through, but there's going to, you, you can't continue down this path and just be like, well, we just throw this season away because you have a, an opportunity at the end of the year with four straight home games to where you can make some noise, but you know, you're, you're not going to be making very much noise if you're going to continue to go out there and just fall flat like you did on Saturday. I mean, here you've, you've given up another 160 yards to a single, you know, running back. Uh, it's, you know, it's feast or famine. And not only that, but then you let them eat them up through, let, let them eat you up through the air. Uh, 
with guys that, I, I mean, you know, we're not talking about a secondary that's loaded with, you know, five freshmen here. <laughs> These are guys who've seen action and they're still getting burned. And I know, you know, DBs get burned every once in a while, but that's every once in a while. But it's just, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's inexplicable. And quite frankly, it's becoming rapidly unacceptable. Uh, but yeah, it just got to, got to get right. Got to find somewhere to get right somewhere in here. Yeah, there's no question. And, um, you know, I guess if, if there was any good news that came out of, uh, of, uh, Saturday's, um, Saturday's game, it was, you continued to get production from Mario Anderson, man, he, he's just fun to watch. Uh, you've got a feel for Spencer Rattler sex six more times on Saturday. Really? It's, it's just hard to imagine being him right now as a quarterback in this league. He came back to, to do some special things here and um, hadn't been able to get that done. Just hadn't been able to get it done. You know, there's a lot of issues around him. You get the two freshman linemen this weekend who get banged up as well, and that could be a, a major blow moving forward. Shane pointed out last night, if they can't go, they don't have a two deep at the offensive line <laughs> position. Uh, you're talking about bringing he, – he mentioned a – a, uh, a walk-on tight end from the scout team that was last week kind of playing some right tackle for him in practice. Um, and, you know, so they, they there's a lot of stuff that needs to get figured out really, really quickly, and I don't know if they'll be able to get it figured out really quickly. The, the thing that I think was the most disappointing for me uh, this weekend, uh, Phil, and really, I'll be honest with you, more so than the loss, and J.C. Sherbert is here now as well, uh, was towards the end of the first half, for the first time that I can really remember, well, ever under Coach Beamer, really, um, it just looked like they were checked out. And that that there is a telltale sign of something is wrong. When your guys quit, something's wrong. Now, I'm not saying they quit because if Shane and his staff are sitting here, which they're not, they're working, but if they were sitting around watching us and they heard somebody like me come out and say they quit, I, they would probably be pretty pissed about that and they'd have every right to be. I'm not saying that because I'm not in the locker room nor on the sideline. I watched it on TV, and that's just what it looked like. And all I'm saying is through my two eyeballs for the first time in three years, it looked like a team that was quitting. But they didn't in the second half. They did come out, believe it or not. They did have a chance to come back and, to, and tie the game, win the game. There was a point there. And we'll go over a couple of these plays in a little while with Pat DeMarco where you thought, you get a quick strike here. Guess what, boys and girls? It's a one-score game. You know, how about it? And um, But they just continued to run into a brick wall and just couldn't get it going. And so, yeah, there, there's issues. Like I said, there's a lot of them, um, injuries, confidence, uh, and um, I think poorly coached in some areas, talent in others. And that equates to a pretty, a pretty rough, rough look as a football program. And that's exactly where they are, at two and five, and at one and four in the league. Hats off to Missouri as well. Uh, they are seven and one on the season, three and one uh, in the Southeastern Conference, and they've got every chance to go out and win the East. Their next three opponents after a weekend off coming up, they'll go to top ranked Georgia, they'll host 21st ranked Tennessee, and they'll also host the Florida Gators. So, guess what, boys and girls? We could look up in a month, and Missouri is your SEC Eastern Division champion. And if that's the case, then they probably have a great shot at getting to the playoff, too, because winning on the road at number one Georgia would carry quite a bit of weight um, with it. So 
we'll we'll see where that all goes. There's no doubt, doubt JC, and I know we've been kind of speaking long. Whittle is due up here in four minutes, so we only got about two left in the segment. Uh, but uh, certainly, sure. certainly a uh, a rough start to the work week once again for a Gamecock football program that's given up at least thirty points in five of their seven games this season. This one didn't hurt me at all. Once Xavier, once Xavier Leggett went out, the chances of, of victory, even even though they battled and mm-hmm. certainly did have some opportunities, it was it. And I'll give you an example. Okay, toward the end of the game, I think they were still only down two scores. Spencer launches one of his balls down the sidelines where usually Xavier turns around, leaps up, and, and has position on the DB and gets it. Well, it's Omega Blake this time, and he's like an inch short. I don't know if he mistimed his jump or what. Well, there you go when you don't have your best players, those types of critical plays don't get made. Um, you know, uh, if Juice Wells was running that slant, uh, the Tyshawn Russell inexplicably dropped where he could have walked into the end zone. The good news is Tyshawn was open. He ran a good route. It hit him right in the hands. He just yeah. dropped it. He's a freshman. Yeah. The stage was too big. That happens. When Tree Babalade went out later, I thought the season's probably over. <laughs> I mean, that's like, you know, you start to get to a point with these injuries and, and yeah, look, I'm not smart enough to tell you why this keeps happening to this program. I, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a trainer or a biologist or a nutritionist or a strength coach. I don't, I don't know much about it. I just know there's a problem somewhere, you know, and, 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 and look, maybe it's one of those unsolvable problems, but if I'm, if I'm Ray Tanner, Here's what I'm doing, because this is happening in every sport. Even the women's basketball program has bad injuries that happen. I'm looking and seeing, and it may, it, the answer to this may be yes, they're doing all they can do. Are you? Are we investing enough? I'm asking myself if I'm the Gamecocks. Are we investing enough in, in sports medicine, nutrition, you know, that kind of thing? Or are, we, are, we, are we doing the very best we can with not only with plan, but with people? Top to bottom, do we have enough resources going into this part of it? Um, and, and maybe they do. I, I don't know. Like I said, I'm not smart enough to figure that out. But my God, now there's also this to be said: injuries matter, but so does depth. You know, this team did not have a lot of depth. We said all summer they couldn't afford to get a bunch of injuries, especially on the offensive line. What are we up to now? Ten out on the O line, uh, and and most uh, a good many of them would be starters. <laughs> I uh, that's that's 1999 Lou Holtz type of deal. That's a that's a you have very little shot there. Okay, um, and, and so that's that. I am over the defense not adjusting until halftime. I'm over that. That that's why. I mean, dude, it's just just like what happened so many times in 2021. Oh, oh, guess what? Oh, you're down 24 nothing. Oh, you go the second half. Yay, yay, rah, rah. You know, you shut down, shut them down, second half. Well, well, why didn't you adjust in the first half? Because you you can't expect your offense, which was struggling, couldn't block anybody. Credit Missouri's defensive – their defensive staff had a great game plan, by the way. Just attack the crap out of that front and let the chips fall where they may. Uh, You know, and you go adjust the second half. Oh, good job, guys. Well, that's happened before, man. It happened against A&M last year. It happened against Georgia. I mean, you know – why okay, it happened? It's happened against Missouri all three years. Check this out. Okay, Missouri has outscored South Carolina in the first half of games mm-hmm. during this win streak, fifty-eight to ten. Yeah, yeah. in three years, yeah. right? 
South Carolina has won the second half each every time, forty to thirty. So, so why, why, you know, with a, with an opponent that you play every year, you know, why, why, why does it take till halftime to make these adjustments? And it happens over and over and over again. I mean, happened against Clemson last year. The defense played much better in the second half of the first half. You can't do that and expect to win in college football. I'm over that. I'm, I'm not applauding any any kind of rebound performance in the second half because guess what? You can get in a game with some, somebody else. And they're going to be up 24 nothing, and then you're going to adjust, and then you're going to lose, you know, 31 to 10 or right. whatever. So I'm, I'm over over that completely. You know, the O-line really had no chance. That, and, and I do think injuries are a thing. I mean, everybody can't say – I saw some people call it an excuse. It's not an excuse. It's reality. Uh, and when you don't have depth, uh, which is only solved by recruiting, and not just recruiting one class, recruiting four, five, six years – you know, you're not going to get there. And I don't know if it's realistic for South Carolina to ever get there because those teams under Spurrier, had they had this kind of injury situation, they wouldn't have been worth a flip. They didn't have much depth. Go look at the two deeps for those, some of those teams. Yes, NFL players all over the field on defense, but their backups, you know, I, I, I don't know that I would have trusted them to go down and shut out uh, Team X, Y, and Z, right? So I, I think there's a mess there. Uh, I, 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 I will say this, uh, I think schedule is also a realistic thing that you can point to these teams. South Carolina is losing to are very, very good teams. Right. And then that's life in the sec. Wah, wah. Nobody's going to be feel sorry for you for losing. Wah, wah. But that's reality. Now the November schedule, much like Kentucky's September schedule, it's a little light, <laughs> a little light. Because uh, the two, uh, you got Vandy and Jacksonville State, but then right after that, where you hopefully have some momentum after two wins, you know, those teams are Kentucky and Clemson are very, very flawed. They are not; they're not even on the same planet. Maybe they're kind of similar to Florida. Some of them, maybe. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I know Kentucky beat Florida pretty good, but I, I watching them. You know, we'll see what happens. Watching both those teams. You know, so so I think what you got to do, you got to go shoot your shot against AM, obviously. Uh, with offensive line being in shambles, your chance they the Aggies will literally have to like not show up, which they from time to time they don't, uh, especially at home in an early kickoff. I mean, they almost lost to UMass last year at home for an early kickoff, but they'll have to just straight up not show up, turn it over six times, uh, for their main chance to win. But what you got to do, you got to rebound, you got to rally. You got to put everything into beating Jack State. Then you got to put everything into beating Vandy and everything into winning the last two. Get your butt back to the bowl. Get to the the grind of the Gasparilla Bowl. Uh, and, and I think that with a second straight win over Clemson would salvage this season. That is the only thing that's going to salvage it, though. That's the only thing that's going to make people feel better. It's the only thing that's going to keep the momentum going. And you got to find a damn way to do it. Well said. 11.23 here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. John Whittle with the Big Spur is due up next. We're served by Chickencock and built by the Barndoco. Inside the Gamecocks, we'll be right back. 
The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Cole Joel here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nanasports.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. It's 11.27 here on this Monday, October the 23rd. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show. We're only a week away from Halloween. Make sure you don't eat all the candy prior to next Tuesday night or you'll have a tummy ache, much like most of us did watching South Carolina play football on Saturday against the Missouri Tigers in the Show Me State where they certainly were shown how to do it and with another loss, 2-5 and five on the year. John Whittle, the best in the business that covers game the Gamecocks. He has been kind enough to pop in on uh, this reactionary Monday here. What's up? Well, you know, we don't have to do football. You know, basketball is well, starting true. up. Fall baseball is going on. Uh, soccer's in full swing. I think cross country's happening. Uh, there, there's a whole <laughs> litany of things we can talk about. I think cross country is That's- happening. <laughs> 
Okay. So, the women's soccer team That's, is looking good, right? Yeah. You got a question yeah, too, and they're national yeah, champions. That's all I remember. Yeah, the women's soccer team won four nothing in their uh, last home game. Yeah, I'm yeah. with you. Well, in the Gamecocks scrimmage three times this week in baseball, they picked up a slew of commitments last week. John, I cannot believe. By the way, on that note, and I, w- I will ask you at the end of this segment about all of the baseball commitments. I cannot believe that there is another Mershon playing college baseball. I played with Nick, his oldest brother, in 2004 at SMC. Like, it is just so – I the, the, that family, there are, is a Mershon kid every year. There must be 20 of them that have played college baseball. It's wild. So. It seems that way. I think this is the last one, though. I think. Don't, don't, don't quote no. me on that one because I know there's a lot of them. I don't know. I need to check in with Mersh because I know he started having kids at an early age. His – his oldest might be about time to start signing somewhere. So, uh, we'll, uh, I'll need to look into that. Let's see. E- either that or this kid's first name is Surprise. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> no, no, the, uh, the, he's got a brother who is a junior who's gonna, or no, a sophomore, excuse me. He'll be a sophomore this year who's a starting shortstop at Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, he's got another brother who played for, I think, three years at College of Charleston and is now playing his final year up at Ohio State. So, so yeah, there's I, – I, I, don't, I don't know if surprise fits in this one. Whittle, it, you know, you're in the travel baseball world. How much money do these people make? Because that has to be pretty pricey. If you have five kids that play travel baseball, dude, that's, that's probably all I do. They're sitting there eating beanie weenies and spam so they can afford it, man. I mean, that's, a, that, that's an expensive proposition. Well, for, fortunately, uh, I've never had spam before. Um, so I, I, <laughs> but they 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 may uh, they may be on a steady diet of that one over there. I'm not sure. So with with that that many brothers and sisters, I think I think they've uh, you know I, I think Dad must be doing okay. Yeah, or, or that or Little Caesars is like they're the customer of the year because they get like <laughs> you know, seven hot yeah. readies for ten dollars. Yeah. <laughs> You feed that crew, baby. Feed that crew, baby. No, I just, I just know. I, I know a lot of parents whose kids play trouble, and they're like, "Man, this is expensive and time consuming." Oh, it's gotten so, very expensive. I can't yeah. imagine having like six boys that all play ball. I'm like, "Ooh, shoe buddy." Anyway, well, there's there's ways around it too. There's ways around it with with sponsorships and stuff like that. I mean, you find ways, but it's yeah, it ain't it ain't it ain't cheap. There's no doubt. All right, John. Um, First uh, thoughts from the loss Saturday in Missouri. Well, it felt like the losses from the last couple of years where you get so far behind early that the second quarter to the end of the game doesn't really matter, you know, regardless of, of uh, you know, how many scores you pull it within. Like, you know, as soon as South Carolina got it down to two scores like they did, like Missouri, who had who did have to punt some in the second half, they just went right back on a drive and said, you're not coming back. Uh, it's, it's over. Why, why are you even making an effort, basically? And, you know, they, I felt like they could have done whatever they wanted to at any point in the game. Um, and it was just one of, those, one of those games like the last couple of years where you just fall behind and can't make it back. And, you know, South Carolina has been terrible on the road offensively. They've been terrible defensively regardless of the venue. So, um, just was not a not a fun day to be a gamecock for sure. Yeah, there's 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 
there's a slew of issues here. Uh, and, you know, you've got injuries. Um, you've got, uh, I, I think there's some areas that need to be improved uh, on the staff, but you probably won't address any of that until the offseason. Uh, you certainly need depth. Uh, you and I, and I think you've got a major confidence problem slash frustration problem. I mean, Debo, after the game the other day, is basically saying, this is ridiculous. Tired of losing. Uh, and, and so, you know, you've, you've got some, you got some frustrated guys there, John, I, for the first time, just, I'm anxious just to get another opinion on this, uh, for the first time in coach Beamer's tenure, eight Carolina, I felt like, uh, towards the middle of the second quarter headed towards halftime, it really felt like this team was just kind of going through the motions and not really there. Did you see that? Did, did, do you disagree? Agree? What do you think there? No, I, I had the same thought, you know, in, in about that same time that you were talking about. Now, the second half, I, I thought they played played a little bit better. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. so may, maybe maybe in that second – I don't know what happened at halftime. I mean, for some reason, and I don't know what this reason is, but for some reason, Beamer's gone out of his way a couple of times to say, you know, I really like what I saw and heard at halftime. Um, so may need to dive a little bit deeper into that one and figure out exactly what he meant. But, you know, I, I got that same impression in the first half that, you know, there just wasn't, there wasn't the level of, I don't want to say the team lacked effort, but it, I didn't feel like the level of effort that you would expect to be there was there. Uh, I, I thought there were mistakes that, just didn't look right, and he just didn't just didn't feel like a a uh, football team that was wanting to be there in that moment. John, I I was on this morning 107.5 with Preston and Bill, and Bill brought up a really interesting point uh, to Preston and I, and he said, you know, we we hear each week from Coach Beamer they had a really good week of practice, really good week of practice, really good week. Of, they had a really good week of practice. Well, this guy had a really good week of practice. I, I, I guess, and, and Preston kind of followed that up with, yeah, I, I, I would be curious as to what does a good week of practice look like? Like, how do you define a good week of practice? I'm not trying to throw Shane under the bus or anything like that. That's not, it's not, it's not the point, you know, not trying to question, you know, is he telling the truth or lying? Not at all. Just curious as to what does that mean? Does that mean that, you know, you got the scouting report earlier, and those guys, you know, were kind of falling in line in practice in Tuesday, Wednesday, or I guess it would be Sunday, Sunday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and you felt like you kind of had down what they're trying to do, the opposition is as a team. Um, was it because nobody got hurt and it was a really highly spirited week of practice? Uh, was it because you had a couple of young players come along like, by definition of a good week of practice, what is that? Because, you know, you hear that a lot, and then they, you go out there and watch them play on Saturday, and you're like, well, they had a good week of practice, but they didn't really have a good week of playing in the in the game. So it just seems to me from the outside looking in, like things aren't correlating, John. Is that a – does that sound kind of bizarre? Is that even a question that should probably maybe come up in one of these press conferences? I'm not sure Shane would like it, but it's worth asking, right? Yeah, and I've asked Shane before. It wasn't this year. I, I think it was last year that I asked him what a good week of practice looked like um, because he he does have a tendency to say that. Now, he doesn't say that every every week. Um, in fact, there was – I forget which game it was after. I, I, uh, 
I, I don't want to misquote. I do remember him saying after one game that they didn't have a good week of practice. Um, yeah. But when he, when I, when I asked him that question, he basically said attention to detail is, was kind of the, the um, overriding theme of it was, you know, the, the guys seem like ba- basically they know their assignments. They're not, they're not making mistakes. Um, that that's basically what, he he said goes into a good week of practice so um you know take that for whatever it's worth you know we see we see mistakes you know and and they talk about them uh you know each each, each week on saturday whether it's um mental mistakes and and doing the wrong thing in a play or or whether it's you know having uh i mean south carolina is one of the most penalized teams in the sec and i think they're right around 100th in the country um, so, so yeah, I mean, they're, they're making all kinds of, of attention to detail mistakes that would lead you to think they're not having real good week of practices based on, um, you know, Shane's definition of, of a good week of practice. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Jesse. Go ahead man. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I don't care about practice. Not to sound like Alan. Well, then you're going to have to change your ways because that's what they that's what they care about. You know, if you're not doing right in practice, then then you ain't getting snaps. I mean, that's that's I mean, that's why it's taking some guys so long to get on the field. So, I mean, I understand what you're saying, but shoot, that's not that's not what Shane's going by. Oh yeah, right. most coaches don't go by it. I mean, look, I I, I uh, let me let me back up. I care about practice, but. Look, and you have to perform in practice to get on the field. That that's just that's at most programs. I mean, it's that's football one on one. It's the NFL. It's everything. You know, everything in the sport. But it doesn't matter if it's not translating to the field on game days. And most great coaches will tell you that. Okay, well, we practice great, super duper. Well, our <laughs> practice plan is great. Our football plan on the game days is not. Something's happening to these guys, right? Probably the. You know, there's different colored jerseys and, 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 you know, mentally as a football player, there is, there's a big difference between practice and games. You're comfortable in practice. Same guys you've been going up against for however many months you've kind of figured them out. You, you, you know, you're the learning. I don't think this team does not work hard in practice. I think this team does. I think they care. I think Shane's right about all those things, but you got to figure out why you're not taking it to the field. Right. Um, now, I will say he was honest about the, the week leading to North Carolina. He, he said that on Tuesday they did not have a good practice. He was mad. Remember the week mm-hmm. of the North Carolina game? Um, however, I mean, it's just one of those things that you, know, you got to figure out what is happening <clears throat> from the top down during games to, 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 to make it like this. Now, look, injuries are part of it. Youth and the, the depth on this football team was always going to be extremely young. It's part of it because those guys are having to play in certain areas. Other areas, though, you've got veterans, namely the <coughs> secondary, um, and they can't cover a bucket of water half the time. You know, um, you can't do anything about Luther Burden when you have him double teamed and he makes a, a spectacular play. That's just life in the SEC. You're going to face players sometimes that are uber talented that are going to make plays. That, that's just how it is. Probably how people feel when. Yeah, I mean, like, shoot, Sha Smith a few years ago against Bama. Helinski uh, threw it in a triple cover. shot, made a play. There's nothing Alabama could have done better on that one. But then there are other times where it's like, 
you're stopping them, you're stopping them, you're stopping them, you get a third and seven, and they run a draw play straight up the middle of Schrader, and he goes for 11 yards. Well, what are you doing? I mean, you know, where is the consistency in performance? That That's that's my question, especially on the defensive side of the ball. And, and John, I don't know about you, I'll ask you this. I am over the defense. I'm, I'm over praising that side of the ball because they come out in the second half and do better when they're yes. down by three touchdowns. I'm over this. Let's wait till halftime to make an adjustments. Nobody else in the country does that. That's good. I mean, what, what, why, why does it take halftime to adjust? What, what, why isn't somebody over there, you know, figuring it out? Who helps Clayton White with the defense? Who, who can who can say, look, coach, we probably need to get into this, 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 you know, like what happens at most schools. <laughs> why why are we waiting to, for halftime, no matter what the score, uh, to make those adjustments? Why? Tell me, John. Tell me why. No, I don't have that answer, but I'm I'm with you. I I'm, I have no the same mindset. <laughs> like you know, Hill and I were talking talking yesterday about some some things defensively, and I said, well, I, I said, I mean, the defense wasn't as terrible as they have been. I mean, they did force a few punts in in the second half, and you know, while that's true, they did force a few punts in the second half, like. Everybody on both sidelines knew what the outcome of that game was going to be because South Carolina couldn't move the ball or do anything offensively. Like as as soon as South Carolina got within touching distance, Missouri went down and did exactly what they what they do and or what they were able to do against South Carolina at least and and grind out a, a pretty easy touchdown to 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 make it a, a really lopsided looking score. And, you know, JC, you are so much better at remembering years and dates and scenarios. But I remember what probably four years ago when South Carolina went down to Texas A&M. I think the final score was like 23 to 10 or something like that. But it must it, it could have been 230 to 10. Like it was like that lopsided. It was a two score game, but it was just not even close. And, you know, that's what that's what Saturday felt like. And and, uh, you know, fine. They got a few stops when they were down by by three touchdowns. Like, I mean, that's that's great and all. But it, it just it, it it's just not good enough. And you got to come out and, and play better early. And, you know, I thought South Carolina was kind of past that this year after after playing well early against Georgia and, and doing okay at times, but it just just it, it didn't pass that in past it. Uh yeah, and look, I, I'll say that was that I think it was A and M at nineteen. It was because it was thirteen three on into like the late third quarter. And then A and M pulled away and won, I think thirty to six. Uh and then Carolina had to take a week off before they played Clemson at four and seven. <laughs> That's that week off sucked. Uh, they were just ready to get it over with that year, but that, that was nineteen. But look, it's uh, yeah, I'm with you there. I, I don't, uh, I get it. And Kendall's mentioned in the chat box how slow the linebackers are. I don't think they're slow, dude. But I tell you what, it was noticeable this week. It's the first time I've really, it's been glaring to me. Uh, simply because the D line had interior, they those guys decide to play every third play. Um, to this week, Debo cost them getting out of position a lot, overrunning things. Uh, you know, Stone is a guy that they put in terrible positions, um, and all that good stuff. So it's uh, 
it's tough. Well, I think there's a big difference here in speed versus game speed. Yeah. None of these none of these guys are slow. That's not true. Like that's just incorrect. It, unless somebody's been at practice out there with the stopwatch and everything clocking them, that's not true. None of that's true. They they're playing slow. And they're playing slow for a reason. What is the reason? Don't know. But they they need to figure that out. Is that a fair statement? I think so. I I, I think so. I I don't think that uh, I, I think they're out of position. I think they're playing, and I don't think they're playing very confidently. And when you're not right. confident in what you're doing, when you're not reacting, you're 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 going to be as slow as I am, and that's pretty darn slow. And it's uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't look right it, out there. Um, you know, Pup Howard ain't slow. Pup Howard's an athlete, but Pup Howard looks slow on yeah. on Saturday. Um, you know, I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. And, and I, with Debo, I, I think Debo was just trying to do, do too much, um, this, this past week. I, I think that's why he was, you know, getting himself out of position. I, I think he was trying to make plays and trying to, trying to make something happen. And, you know, that's not necessarily the, the way you can play. You got to play with some controlled aggression and that just, that just wasn't, wasn't it on on Saturday, but it was it was a really tough day for for those guys. I thought Stone played terrible. I didn't think Debo played much better, and and same with same with uh, Bam and 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 uh, Pop. I think that's very very fair. Uh, yeah, I 100 percent agree with that. And and I don't know what the fix is. Uh, Clayton White's linebackers coach, right? So, so. yeah, I, yeah, yeah. And it's the defense isn't tough either. I mean, there I don't know. They're not a bunch of physical guys uh, out there. That, that and a lot of that does have to do sometimes with hesitancy. But I, I thought, I mean, look, there's no excuse for that to be, have, be happening. Guys, um, two this, two years ago, Brad Lawing went to practice, and he talked about this on Teddy Hefner's show. Two years ago, so the yeah. word the, the the word that starts with a T, and he he said it publicly. I told them. I don't think they're very tough. That was two years ago. So, I mean, yeah. When you start to think about, I, I don't, I don't know what the deal is. But uh, you know, if somebody's beating up on Dowell Loggins in here. Like, look, if I had some complaints about the offense, it would be probably that. Look, you've got Mario Anderson. He's coming into his own. He started with six carries for twelve yards. wasn't getting very far. You've got to. You've got to. I'm not saying be patient with the run game necessarily. You've got to be patient with him because uh, eventually he ended up getting his yards, 5.7 yards per carry. He had a beautiful run off the goal line there. Uh, you just got to keep feeding Mario the ball um, and not bail and put somebody else in and all that. Also inside the five, I think, you know, as good as he's been, as good as Joyner's been sniffing out the end zone, those would be my questions there. But how in the hell are you expecting Dowell Loggins to have a great, you know, this great offense, man, when you're missing all your offensive linemen? I mean, I, I, yeah, I that, that, that baffles me. I think he's getting the most he can out of it. Um, sure, he's not perfect, but neither is any any other offensive coordinator. And guess what? Some of you who are sitting there trashing him just because you're mad about the outcome, you would have hired Danny Enos or Garrett Riley in a heartbeat. Yeah. And, and me too, probably. Me too, probably. But just because Dowell's name was Dowell Loggins, it, you're blinded by your hatred, uh, by your insecurities about wanting to hire a big name around here all the time, and that's the answer for everything. When history shows you it's completely not. And that's what 
that's where that's coming from because you want to be right about what you said back then. There's nothing wrong with what they're doing on offense schematically at all. I don't think. Arkansas, by the way, has relieved Dan Enos of his duties as the offensive coordinator. Dallas Loggins, of course, played there. We'll see if there's anything that comes from that as the season progresses. Uh, John, bright side moving forward. They're two and five. It's hard to find one. Do you have something? Did I stump you? That's <laughs> uh, all. Same thing. Good job, little. <laughs> Did you just Josh hypo me? Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know. I. I. I don't. I don't know. I. I, I don't know. Um, well, they get four in a row at home in November. Yeah, I mean, That's, grind to the yeah. gas for Rillable, baby. That's my yeah, thing. I mean, those <laughs> those games are winnable if, if you if you play well. I mean, gotta they're get healthy. They, they, they just are. Yeah, I mean, you got to be healthier on the offensive line. You've obviously played well at home offensively, so maybe you can outscore. I mean, you're averaging 41 points a game at home offensively. And, and um, you know, I, go, I think it's 17 points on the road, maybe, mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. And but, but 41 points at home is good. And, you know, Clemson's defense is good, and Kentucky's defense is fine. But um, – you know, there, there, there's nothing overwhelming about, you know, anything that happens in November that, you know, if you go out and play well, right, like you have at times this season, you, you can't you can't win those games. I mean, it's never fun to have zero margin for error. Uh, but, you know, that's you, you play you play decently at home and, and the opponents are, are just OK. So, yeah, um, I, that's that's my thing. It's a, the schedule was always backloaded, but. <laughs> the grind of the Gasparilla or the the, the uh, breakthrough to Birmingham. How about that? Yeah, you know, I, our guy who was with us when we were live on Friday out at Palm Casual, Aaron Beasley, he said something. John, this, this will resonate with everybody. This Look what happened to Clemson now this weekend. It even resonates even more. Clemson loses against Miami. They're now 4-3 and three on the year. Gamecocks sit here at 2-5. and five. Uh, that game at the end of the season, this is setting up very much like back in the mid nineties, you know, it's (laughs) like somebody's just trying to save their season by beating their rival, maybe knock the other guy either out of a bowl game or by going to a better bowl game. But at the end of the year, your record's not going to really be that good, but at least you beat whoever Carolina or or Clemson. It, it, It does seem like it's about 30 years ago, doesn't it? It does. It does. And uh we, we do have Darude coming to uh to to Columbia for the Kentucky game. Oh, that's so we can we can we can be excited about that too. But no, you're right. I, I don't think anybody wants to go back to those days where both teams are mediocre to stinky. But um that's kind of what it feels like these teams are on the path to for for this year. But everybody will be hyped for that week for sure. Um, they always are. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff full of turkey. Giving the football. All right, John, so, I, yeah. I, somebody said home games. We've played Furman, Florida, Mississippi State, Ministry of Propaganda at work. Well, let's flip this around. Away from home, well, who the hell have they played? No, seriously, this is stupid. It's another bunch of freaking stupidity. You can take a shot at John here and call the Ministry of Propaganda. Hey, all right, so, so who have they played on the road? Because there's a big damn difference there, too. North Carolina, <laughs> despite the fact that they do what they always do and lost to one of the worst teams I've ever seen in Virginia this past weekend. All right, North Carolina's been top 20 all year. Georgia's Georgia, okay? Tennessee, top 25 football team. 
Missouri freaking seven and one. So 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 you, so you tell me. So you want to sit there and bitch about who? Oh, they've only played these teams. Well, who have they played on the road, dude? Come on, let, let, let's just let's just get re, let's just get real here, man. I mean, let, let let's let's call out what are real problems. You know, like this guy sitting there taking shots at. Dowell Loggins, he didn't scheme around the wall. How the hell are you spent? You know, you, hey, you remember the Spurrier era, Spencer? I know you do because you used to call my radio show all the time. And I like Spencer, by the way. He used to call my radio show all the time. He used to talk about it. Did, did you want him to not call plays? Because when his offensive line was Swiss cheese, they couldn't get a playoff ever. Well, how is he supposed to scheme around the O line? There's no Savelle Newton on the bench. Well, there may be. With Lenore Sellers, but Rattler's plenty, plenty. I mean, Rattler's not Blake Mitchell sitting back there, right? They get him out of the pocket. They do some things, but when you're missing your best receivers on top of more offensive linemen going down, hell, let's just let's just get the rugby team out there to play and have a scrum, right? And move it around, you know, like like an organic thing, and that way maybe you'll be happy because they'll get him out of the pocket. Is that what you do on Xbox? Is that on no, the PlayStation? Mean- you move the I'm not scrum. Gonna, I'm not going to get into the back and forth with these guys. I, I, but I they, know. They, I they, know. Threw, they threw they threw four screens on Saturday, and all of them were sniffed out. They also ran three or four draws, and they did run quick game. They probably should have ran a little bit more quick game earlier. I'll agree with that on Saturday. Uh, Maybe, but, yeah. Uh, probably should have run a little bit more quick game. I was talking to Michael Flynn about that as well. Uh, but they ran multiple screens Saturday, and, and they didn't work. Um, why I don't have the answer, but they did run. So, yeah, um, it's, uh, you know, so I, I don't know. I, look, Spencer, I had, we hadn't heard from him in a long time, so it's it's funny he comes in here and and decides to mix it up just like he always does. I love Spencer to death. He's a big fan of all of ours. He just he has a uh, tendency to try to get under your skin. So it's not. I'm good. I'm good with everything. John, before we let you run, give us an update on a really, really exceptional week for Gamecock baseball on the recruiting trail following just devastating news for the program and really the entire university and uh, the Columbia area as a whole. Yeah, well, Tommy Moody uh, Memorial Service at Founders Park today at 2 o'clock for anybody who uh, did not know that wants to attend open for everybody. I have a feeling it'll be pretty crowded out there but yeah it's been a great probably 10 days for for South Carolina from a recruiting standpoint have landed six commitments including uh, uh, a top I think one at least 250 uh, maybe top 200 uh, player in Peter Mershon who can catch play the outfield really really recruited as a bat he can really hit um, maybe the biggest commitment at least from an immediate impact standpoint is uh, Brandon Clark left-handed pitcher uh, who is out of Manatee Junior College. He's certainly a draft risk, but big left-handed pitcher who's been up to 98, 99 miles an hour. So he, uh, he can he can bring it a little bit. So South Carolina certainly needs some lefties and um, and certainly uh, has a good one there in, in that one. So got a couple of 2025 commitments uh, as well. Uh, there's two guys who they're they're waiting on right now from the junior college ranks. Um, uh, an infielder, Brett Iredell, probably hear something from him uh, in the next week or so. And uh, Brendan Sweeney, uh, another right-handed pitcher, uh, this one from Oklahoma. Uh, they have offers to Arkansas, Mississippi State, LSU, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, um, the, the schools that you want to compete against for for uh, recruits. So 
Man, um, that's, that's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, South Carolina's beating out some really good schools to, to get some really big commitments. And, you know, I, I think that that is a, a big deal whenever you can go head to head with, with schools like that, multiple of them and, and win and be able to, uh, to get those guys. So um, it shows that you're recruiting the right guys and uh, you got to get them on campus and coach them up and go from there. Can I ask you one more thing, John? Sure. Because it's been a thing for a while. How is South Carolina able to recruit the state of Oklahoma as well as they do in baseball? Because this is not the <laughs> this isn't the first dude from Oklahoma. I mean, Braylon Wimmers from Oklahoma. I mean, these guys go to Oklahoma and just rake up. I mean, they don't – I can't remember a recruit from another sport from that state, you know. Fair question. Braden Webb, Jonah Bride, you know, they've got yeah. some, some good players from there. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't know how they've – I mean, they've done a decent job in in uh, going the uh, um, junior college route and in, in, in recruiting those guys out of JUCO. They they go to the big JUCO tournaments. Uh, Braden Webb had a connection to South Carolina. He played for a team that uh, frequents this area a good bit, and South Carolina recruits heavily. But you know, they've just they they've just done their work in terms of going and, and finding the right guys. And Oklahoma is a good state for junior college baseball, and that's where they've gotten. A lot of them, not all, all of them, obviously. Braylon Wimmer is one you pointed out, but um, they've done a good job there. And, and uh, you know, South, they've, they've got some beneficial scholarship packages that they can use on kids from Oklahoma, too, to make it more attractive from a financial standpoint. And also a reminder, uh, Gamecock basketball begins next week, nine days away from their first scrimmage of the year. So we got a lot going on, John. Next week you'll uh, maybe, can, maybe squeeze in some basketball preview stuff for us as well. Uh, in addition to all this recruiting, it's going to stay hot. I'll, I'll answer JC's question. Uh, number one, they have elite recruiters on this staff, elite. King, Monty, Williams, and Holcomb, all four of them are elite. And we tried to tell everybody this a few months ago, if you remember. Number two, there's a thing called Carolina Rise that is uh, heavily contributing to NIL for Gamecock Baseball, and that certainly has been it's got to um, be attractive. A, uh, a very, very big deal. Uh, John, final uh, quick couple seconds with you we got to go to break pat demarco is due up here in just a second we got to get into some talking ball and film room we have not had the chance to have you on since tommy's passing last week i know you and i have talked privately about one of the greatest to ever ever be around the university of south carolina and let you uh end with some final thoughts and words about the fantastic tommy moody yeah i mean tommy was fantastic and and i've been covering baseball pretty in depth since I guess probably 2005-ish, 7-ish, right, right in that time frame. And, and Tommy hadn't always been around for it, but he was around for a good bit of it. And he's just one of those guys who, who doesn't have a bad day. Uh, he, he just never – he was always smiling, always happy, uh, but always engaging too. Like he, he would have a conversation with you and, you know, he would ask you questions and you'd bounce ideas off each other and, you know – Tommy knew more in his, you know, pinky finger than uh, about baseball than, than I know, but we would sit there and have a, a baseball conversation and he would hear my thoughts and opinions and, you know, he'd give his thoughts and opinions and he was just always just so good to be around. And, um, you know, I had, had so much respect for him and the relationships that he's built and the way that he, he uh, has always delivered a message because there's, there's a way that you can, uh, deliver there, there's a way you can say that somebody's not playing well without 
coming out and being being a jerk about it. Like he would he would do his best to to protect the players as as best as he could, and you know he would give great perspective. Like he he was just he he was a, he was a great guy. He he was just a great guy, and had I have a ton of ton of respect for him, and look forward to to seeing um, however many hundreds into the thousands of of people who will be out there today at Founders Park. I know that uh, LSU last year uh, had a player in their lineup who, who had transferred from NC State, Tommy White. He was known as Tommy Tanks. I think maybe moving forward, Tommy Moody loved the long ball. So maybe we'll find a way to make, create our own version of Tommy Tanks around here at Founders Park uh, because you could hear him up there in the booth when the Gamecocks would be down. He would be clamoring for the next guy who stepped in to drive one out of the yard. And it sure will be missed. There's no doubt. Well said, John. Thanks for all your time today. I know we kept you longer uh, than it is allowed in your contract. So we'll send you a check in the mail. And we will look forward to speaking with you next week. Tonight, by the way, John is uh, also uh, making sure that the members of the Gamecock baseball program get to the Spartanburg Miracle League event, uh, their trunk or treat event uh, if, for um, with our friends at the Barn Dominium Company. And so, John, tip of the cap to you for doing that. Thank you very much uh, for getting those guys up there tonight and letting them hang out with the fine folks of the Spartanburg Miracle League. That's awesome. Absolutely. It'll be a good time. And I uh, look, look forward to, to being up there. And, and while we're tipping our cap, be sure we uh, have the Chief app on there as well. So <laughs> That's um, right. But, yeah, yeah, appreciate you guys having me and, and look forward to next time. Thank Thanks, you, John. John, John Thanks, Little John. with the Big Spur. It is time to step aside for a timeout. We're powered by Michelle Wilkins' team at Electric Bikes of Charleston. It's never too early to start thinking about Christmas. Why spend all your money in one month when you could spread it out over three? ElectricBikesCharleston.com. They're on sale. Mm-hmm. I looked at it this morning. Tons of bikes are on sale. ElectricBikesCharleston.com. Pat DeMarco, it, yes. I just want to say one thing. Ten seconds. Congratulations to Cam Johnson. He got married over the weekend. Oh, I saw the right. picture on Facebook, buddy. You right, definitely man. outkicked your coverage. Congratulations, no much like all of us. <laughs> yeah, no uh, congratulations. I, we met her and, too. We met her. At the oh event. yeah, may, yeah, may yeah. you have a beautiful, beautiful. life together. Absolutely you're beautiful. you're a good person and deserve yeah. all the happiness uh, you can get, yeah. Cam. So congratulations, Absolutely. congratulations, Cam. Way to go, man. That uh, that's. One good thing in Gamecock land this weekend. So there we fantastic. go. Good, Searching good for news. Good news. Yeah. Pat DeMarco is always good. He's up next here on ITG, the show. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barn Doe Company where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. 
time for Talking Ball with Pat DeMarco on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Part of the Chief Sports Network. It's 12.04 inside the Gamecocks, the show. Welcome back, JB, JC, and Phil. JC stepping aside for this segment. He's got a couple of things to get to, but we welcome in the fabulously talented and an amazing dude, the great Pat DeMarco, who did have a a pretty rough weekend on the gridiron. My condolences, not only did your Gamecocks fall, Pat, but so did your Bills. They were favored for the first time in Foxborough since 1993. And they did not win the game, so that that hurts. But um, other than that, you look great, and we're glad to have you. Well, I'm actually leaving on Wednesday to go up to Buffalo with uh, West and my son. We're going for the game Thursday night football, so I'm repping my Bills colors and hopefully going to cheer everybody up in the meantime in, in Gamecock land and in Buffalo Bill land. Um, yeah. It's only one game. Still got five ahead of us. Uh, good thing is, is – we're back in Willie B for an extended period of time here to close out the season. So, um, yeah, it wasn't pretty on Saturday, but um, as Coach McDermott, I'll, I'll go Buffalo style on this. You either, you either you win or you learn. You don't lose. Um, although you can feel like you got your teeth kicked in, you either win or you learn. Well, hopefully they learned something this weekend. We did learn that they dropped to two and five, one and four in the SEC. We are also waiting to learn the kick time for the Jacksonville State game on November the 4th. We'll know that here shortly as the SEC is releasing all of their weekly information, as they generally do at noon on Mondays. One of those pieces of information is that Missouri's running back, Cody Schrader, has been named the SEC Offensive Player of the Week week before that, Graham Mertz was named to that same award. They have one thing in common, Gamecocks defense. It's not been very good uh, throughout the season. Um, Pat, we certainly are going to get into some film here in just a few minutes, uh, a few plays from the weekend to, to look at that contributed to the loss. Um, I want to ask you specifically this week, uh, we could, there's a, there's a bunch of things certainly we can get into, but we try to talk ball with you, X's and O's. Yeah, and I, I, I felt at times this linebacking core was was just not in a position to make a play. Um, I, I I agree. I felt like at times uh, they were lost, kind of fit in the wrong gap, eyes in the wrong area. Um, you know, not able to run in some in some in some instances. They might have been in the right place to make the plays and just weren't able to get the guys on the ground. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, that's such a crucial position, too. I mean, it's the middle line of defense. You never want – I mean, when you when you look and you see – I know, and we've had it several times this season when your safeties are make or, or your, your leading tacklers, that's not a good sign. That means your, your front seven isn't playing um, as well as they should. So, you know, sometimes there are instances where you try to get the ball in the safeties, but uh, I don't think you want that – I don't think you want your safeties having 12, 15, 18 tackles a game. That's, uh, no. that's poor play from the front seven. 
you know, on Friday we had uh, sitting in with me actually live on remote was you and I, you know, the, the guy that we call one nine, the, the, the curly headed oh, fellow. Geez. Oh, what yeah. It's, 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 it's amazing that every so often the dude does make some sense, right? I don't know if he gets that from Steven or where he gets it, but he, but he does have some when it comes to football. And specifically, he did say right here on this program, he, he would really be watching the linebackers this weekend because Eli Drinkwitz, historically, although he's not calling the plays at Missouri, it is still his offensive system. Yeah. Uh, he, he soups everything up with a bunch of window dressing, a lot of pre-snap mm-hmm. movement and things of that nature. And that's, that seemed to really get him. That seemed to get the Gamecocks this weekend uh, quite a bit. Yeah, and, and I mean, I know just following on Twitter and it, granted, this wasn't this week. I had all four kids here by myself. My wife went to Atlanta on Saturday. So there were a lot of interruptions during the game, um, which wasn't a bad thing because uh, it kept me from being too, too pissed. Um, but there were several things. And I mean, I, what I did notice and read on Twitter and stuff is like, you know, we made some adjustments in the second half. We were able to slow them down in the second half, um, which statistically, I guess we did. But I bet if you go back through and watch the game, um, Missouri kind of dumbed it down in the second half offensively. They um, no doubt. definitely yeah. kind of took the, their foot off the pedal um, and weren't trying to attack us in the ways they did the first half. I think, I mean, shoot, they, they had their way with us in the first half. Other than that first drive, that three and out, I was – I was super fired up about it. I thought we were going to be able to jump on them. And, you know, and unfortunately, you missed that field goal, took a, took a sack, uh, took a bad sack there um, to get us out of field goal range. Uh, I mean, the announcers were saying the wind was blowing pretty good. So kind of stinks that whole situation because, I mean, even having a, an easy three on the board to start the game, um, deferring in the second half, I mean, would have been would have been something to elevate us. But, you know, you, you, you win or you learn. Um, and, you know, quarterback went down. I don't know, how many sacks do we give up? Six or seven? Um, Six, yeah. Yep. And, I mean, he had several holding penalties. Um, you know, wasn't a repeat of – wasn't quite as bad as uh, the very first game of the year in North Carolina when Rattler got teed off on, but it kind of felt like it at times. Um, but, you know, it's – you know, you got another week to rebound here, and you got another good front seven with uh, Texas a and They got like, a lot of young – good talented guys up front that can really get after the quarterback so we're gonna have to find some answers and uh look like in some of the sacks there was some miscommunication and not passing off games and and that kind of stuff which is stuff that can get cleaned up um so i'm interested to see how they rebound this week and they did come out and they fought in the second half that was one thing i did uh i, I did notice and, and something that coach beamer harped on which which is good because you don't ever want you down you know 24 nothing or 24-3 going into halftime. Um, it's very easy to go out there and uh, kind of lay down in the second half, and the Gamecocks didn't do that, which was good to see. Pat DeMarco, 12-10 here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Thanks to our friends at Gamecock Traditions for keeping us clothed and looking good this football season. It is start. It is time to start thinking about the Christmas list, and they've got incredible deals. There's always a clearance list there. If you head to GamecockTraditions.com, you can find it in our app as well. You will see that you can probably save bunches of money for the Gamecocks in your life that you will be buying for this holiday season, thanks to Scott Satterfield and our friend Kevin Lucas and everybody in between out there. I really appreciate them. I've been buying from there for years. Gamecock Traditions. Dot com. They'll deliver it right to your doorstep. Don't even have to be in Columbia. 
Um, Pat, on the before we get uh, back into some film uh, for the first time, really in a couple of weeks, the the sacks. You mentioned the sacks. Six more. Rattler has gone down almost as much as anybody in the country this year. It's, I know mm-hmm. it's got to be disheartening, but boy, he just he keeps saying the right things and and he doesn't put blame on anybody else. He did take one or two this weekend. I know of one, if not two, that were definitely on him. There was pressure, but he should have gotten rid of the football. Um, but the pressure, it's it's been pretty consistent throughout yeah. the year. And and on Saturday, you get some guys banged up. But, uh, ball goes down. Big tree goes down. Uh, they're already banged up on the offensive line. They've got, I think, almost nine or ten guys from the preseason to now that are either out for the year or hurt. That is a lot. Uh, an offensive coordinator, it could be Dow Logan, Steve Spurrier, or anybody else. How do, how do you – how do you run an offense? How do you call plays when you can't keep your quarterback from being able to stand in the pocket and not have someone in his face every time the ball snaps? Yeah, you know, there, there's there's different ways to hide. I think the, the easiest way to hide that is to be super efficient on the run, um, on the ground. And as they have become better um, over the last few weeks, when you're down – 24 nothing. it's kind of hard to commit to the run game. So um, you become a lot more predictable. Um, and I do think that Dallas still had a decent amount of balance going into the second half, which was why I think we had some success in the second half. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's tough sledding. There's, I mean, you got to be able to set stuff off RPOs and, and run action and boot action and do stuff to get Spencer on the move. I mean – Spencer is trying to make plays. Uh, I think he's putting a lot of pressure on himself to go out there and make those plays and elude some of the pressure that's been in his face. Um, and, I mean, granted, for as many times as he's gone down, he's he's escaped a lot of pressure too. Uh, I mean, I would be interested to see the the stat on the amount of hurries versus dropbacks that he's had. I mean, it's there's been a lot of times where he stepped up in the pocket and he's been able to kind of sneak through and gain six or seven yards where – you know, if he tries to retreat or get an edge, he's he's definitely going down for a big loss. But, you know, I mean, it's not all the offensive line's fault. I mean, I know that's something that Spencer's echoed um, and that, you know, every football player is groomed in to talk about is, you know, don't ever throw your teammates under the bus. But it's not all on, not all on the offensive line. It's not all on Spencer. It, it, but it's not all on the wide receivers or the backs as well. It's a kind of a community effort. Um but, I mean, if, if you're not winning your one-on-one battles at the receiver position, quarterback's going to have to hold on to the ball. Um, and not having Juice Wells out there really hurts, right? I mean, Xavier Leggett went down, had a little injury, was able to come back, though. Um, but if you can't win and win early, it's really hard for the quarterback to sit on you and, and not kind of get in flux when, when the guys in yellow are sitting there charging right at your face going a million miles an hour. Yeah. Yeah, those are some pretty ugly mustard-based uniforms, by the way, I might add. I don't think we've been able to get that in just yet. We'll go to the film now. Um, I think five plays is that what I pulled here, Pat, from the weekend. None of them particularly are good, but uh, we will allow you to kind of explain what we saw. Um, this thing will just continue to kind of run. I'm not going to ask Phil to uh, to pause it or anything like that today. But early on in the ball game here, there's no score. Under 10 minutes to go, you had – uh, pointed out, Pat, that the Gamecock defense went three and out, did not give up one yard on the first drive of the game for Missouri, and then actually began to kind of move the ball down the field. And we were at third and eight here, where uh, this is where Rattler took the sack and and really backed him up in field goal range. 
and they had to kick into the wind. It would have been points. Also want to make sure we give Missouri some credit here. Every time there was third down, third and three, third and eight, whatever it is, they found a way to stop South Carolina all week or all day long on Saturday. Now, not saying that there's not blame on the Gamecock side that I think there is and should be, but um, but they just could not get a big play on third down, including this one. Yeah, I mean, third down, money down. Um, it's time to really answer the bell. So, no, I mean, we were 3 of 14 on third down. It's, uh, that's not winning football. Um, you know, I think what's the – I would probably say a good percentage right around there would be around 50%. I mean, it all depends on the – the down a distance, obviously third and third and minus six is third and manageable. Um, third and seven plus gets tough, and third and ten and twelve plus gets even harder. So um, you have different kind of success rates on each of those situations. But I mean, third and eight on the nineteen yard line. Uh, I mean, if you just throw the ball away here, um, you know it's a 30, 36 yard field goal, thirty seven yard field goal um, that Mitch Jeter has been pretty spot on inside of 50 yards um, over the last two years. So kind of stinks him going down here. But, I mean, what, what I see is, I mean, they're kind of in just in a, and and go. I mean, I do like that you guys had some of the end zone, end zone copies on here, um, which was easy easier for me to review. This is kind of where I lived. But, I mean, they just rushed six, and we got six to pick it up. Um, it just looks like um, – kind of in the slide, which usually the center, wherever the center's turning, the center, the line is sliding that way. So there's a man side and a zone side. And on the zone side where the slide was going, there was just a little miscommunication. Um, looks like Big Tree, Trey Jones, and in the back, and, and even Nick Gargiulio uh, just couldn't pass it off. Um, and unfortunately, when, when that happens, the Mike Linebacker comes running through and you got the Got another back on the edge, and they just run a three-game twist, and the 45 comes running right down Spencer's face. And, um, you know, he's in the pocket, so you can't really throw it away. You kind of have to either dirt it or do something. But um, that was a bad 13-yard sack. Um, it cost us three points or 15-yard sack. That cost us three points um, and momentum. Um, you know, starting getting – I mean, that's the worst thing is when you get the ball first and you go three and out. It's – I, mean, I remember it happened to us several times when I was in Atlanta, Carolina, Buffalo, every every team. Um, but it really does. It's a really it's a smack in the face. Um, but then to be able to drive a ball down there and, and miss a miss a field goal or when you're in field goal position and not get points out of it is definitely a a killer. I know Phil uh, is trying to get some of this stuff fixed too. I'm not sure exactly what's going on, but I know that he's working on it. But I I, I have a thousand questions for you. I couldn't wait to talk to you today, so I'm going to ask those and allow you to in uh, enlighten us on on a lot of this. I um we saw the screen game a little bit more this weekend, Pat, on the offensive side of the football. Yeah. I think I think they ran it three times or four times, and and it never really went anywhere. At at times, I will say, just my just my very limited football eye here compared to somebody like you, I felt like uh, the ball was in the air a while, you know, they never really, Spencer didn't really dump it off to him. It just kind of floated up there and Anderson had to wait and get the catch the football turnaround. By that time, he didn't really have much of a chance to make things happen. They had already sniffed it out. But if you go back the last couple of weeks, I guess what I'm getting at here is there were times when that could have been used and, and it, and it wasn't. So they, it clearly they had worked on that. Uh, this week in practice, 
and they brought it out, but but it just didn't go anywhere. What what did you see on some of those plays? And and when you are running a screen, what is the key to running a successful screen play? I mean, screen screen game is all timing and spacing. Um, and you know, when when there's free runners or there's pressure in the quarterback's face, if it's if it's not slowed down, then it, then it can be it can cause some issues. So I think that was a part of it. Um, I think kind of hands in the face and making that throw. I mean, during individual period uh, at any level, the quarterback works on those talk works on those throws and kind of working around pressure in the face and all that. Uh, here we got some more clips again, but. I mean, the screen game, it really is. It's something you have to, you have to practice time in, time out. And, and Brian Dayball, when I was in, uh, when I was in Buffalo, who's now the head coach of the New York Giants, and that was a big thing we emphasized all through OTA. So it was three months of hounding the screen game and, 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 you know, fake chips and presence and tackles losing their guy inside the center pulling out guards first man out. He kicks the, kicks the force defender and the guards rat kill and then the next alley player comes. So it's, it was a lot of work. Um, and, you know, Dow's been there for seven or eight months and we've seen a lot of progress in the offensive side of the ball. I mean, if you score, yep. I think we're still averaging north of 24, 25 points a game. That's, that was a big upgrade from us last year. Uh, unfortunately now the other side of the ball isn't playing quite as well. Um, you know, we've, we've been very advantageous Gamecock defense of taking the ball away the last three years uh, under Clayton White. And unfortunately we weren't able to do that the last two years. We top of the top third in the SEC and takeaways um, the last two years. And we're just not quite getting those turnovers this year, which is, um, which is kind of, I think been a big key to why we haven't seen that success and, um, and all that. So, uh, you want to dive into this play? I mean, this play. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, yeah, we talked, we, that's, we one, talked that's one of those the, plays where a lot of linebackers kind of got sucked in there, and I know it's pretty much over, but uh, if you could quickly, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, that's, it, you know, you got a flash, flash action going backside, so it's split zone. Um, and, I mean, I'm not – I don't know for sure who's supposed to be in what gap, but somebody is supposed to be in the backside gap. Um, I mean, just Man. gap integrity in general. Uh, I'm not sure if maybe Tyreek Johnson, number 10, is supposed gets gets torqued outside and can't hold that B gap, and maybe there's a safety player. Uh, it doesn't look like it, but that or – I mean, it seems we have four guys fit in the backside, two gaps on the backside, so I think it might have been 52 stone. Um, I know he is a fallback player. or Maybe Boogie Huntley was supposed to kind of track over the top, but um, – I mean, right at the right at the pinpoint of the play, right at the presence of the of the play. Uh, I mean, that's that's as easy as they get. I think Jamie, you probably could have scored on that play. Actually, you kind of look like uh, you kind of look like the tailback. Oh well, that makes me feel. <laughs> Thanks, man. I've been hoping somebody would mistake me as a, a Division One SEC football player. Jamie that's, Bradford, that's running back, SEC Offensive Player of the Week. <laughs> yeah, it's you know once again it, it it just wasn't good for for South Carolina's defense, and now they're getting blown up for it on a Monday. But uh, yeah, both linebackers there, kind of same gap, wrong spot, and he's yeah, able to walk but in. There is, I mean, this is the beauty in having those slicers and those jet sweep guys. You add so many gaps on the backside, and that's, I mean, but there's only X amount of gaps that you have to cover. Right? I mean, they have obviously seven or eight right there with the jet sweep motion coming across to account for. But 
I mean, you got four guys fitting three gaps on the backside. So somebody's out of place. I don't know who exactly it is. I don't know if it's if it's Boogie up front, if he just drops to a knee and loses his leverage, or I would imagine that Stone can't fly back that fast with two other guys already sitting back there in the backside gap. All right, this next play here, Carolina third and three, Pat. Can't get anything out of it. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, here again. We got pressure right in Spencer's face. Um, and here I'm. You see, the the end there comes around Wanamaker. He takes the inside guy. He's out there. Yeah, right I mean, which I don't even think he needs to there. I mean, you got the back and protection. Um, I mean, okay, I got it on my big screen right behind me. I mean, you don't. He doesn't need to. I mean, seventy-eight ball is sitting there on the three technique, um, and they just let a Scott free um, defensive end come screaming through the hole. I mean, Nick Garjulio, I guess the center was sliding right because his eyes were right for the uh, for the blitz and backer. You got to you, you throw off the, and even if you are hot, if they bring six and you only have five to protect, you, you always throw off the farthest threat away. And if it's a stack backer blitzing from five or six yards. That's who you always throw off. The only time you ever throw off a, a hot defensive end is if everybody's mugged up in the line of scrimmage. But, I mean, these backers are both hitting it from depth. Um, and, I mean, it's, if Spencer if, – if 50 or 45, where is it? If 15 isn't dead in his face, Spencer can get that ball off because, obviously, he's looking to the right side right when that guy's hands are in his face. Um, so, I think that's a miscue on 62 on Wanamaker there. Um, I, I – I don't. I think that he is supposed to. They're not supposed to be blocking the same guy. If you ever got four hands on one guy, unless you're blocking Jadavion Clowney or JJ Watt, you're probably wrong. Um, so, um, I mean, this is just a this is just a miscue. This is one of those probably one of those plays that Coach Beamer was harping about um, during his halftime press or in the game press. Of yeah, I mean, Trey Knox is running Scott Free, so the defense. That's defense, a touchdown. Yeah, I mean the defense. I mean, this is just a simple mesh concept. So the back's on a rail, so he's a free release. So, so he is your hot. Um, and, but 15's jumping right in Spencer's face, so he can't get the ball to his hot route. If that's the case, I mean, they're in a blown coverage because Trainox is running scot-free uh, unless they are in a true cover zero, which it doesn't look like with that safety sitting three yards in the end zone in the middle of the field. Um, so, yeah, I mean, mesh concept is just – it's two rubs. So um, – uh, Josh Simon, or is that Nick, and is, is going to rub for the so for the F receiver rolling across, um, and with a good mesh, a man to man route. I mean, mesh, a mesh concept is is a man beater, um, and, and that's what it's made for. So if this is the man covers that it looks like, it should be a home run. Even if he gets all the way to his probably last progression and trade Knox rolling across the field. This next one here, also third and six, Pat, once again, they bring pressure, Missouri does, uh, as they did all day on third down. Gamecocks couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. Um, let me pull it out. Looks here, it, it, more so here, they, they're rushing three, but both linebackers come, and one of the – well, I guess their defensive end here took on a double team and split them and still sacked Rattler. So that's just – it's pretty poor. It's just pretty poor. Yeah, I mean, it's um... – this this O line group hasn't worked. I mean, it's been such a hodgepodge, right? I mean, they, it's you know, I don't think this entire group is. I mean, obviously with Rashawn Lee out, this it's from a cohesiveness. The starting five have not played together uh, more than two games in a row, um, right. which 
obviously is an adjustment in itself. I mean, it's just like um, when I was playing, I had to get – there was a big difference in me blocking for Tevin Coleman versus me blocking for Devontae Freeman. Um, and I had to just through training camp and through OTAs and through all that stuff, I had to get a feel for them. They had to get a feel for me. And it's the same way with, with this offensive line. I mean, it's not always going to be crazy cohesive. Your first rack at it and your, and your starting center who's made all the calls and has been doing everything for everybody since since OTAs, if he's out, I mean, Nick Gargiulio did a good job probably getting everybody online, and he's played a lot of football and he's a great communicator, but um, it's got to get echoed. I mean, Nick was echoing it to the tackle when he was playing guard. Now there's different people having to, having to echo. So communication is a key. Um, and unfortunately, giving up six acts and however many pressures we gave up, uh, the communication up front wasn't as good as it needed to be for the Gamecocks to win this football game. Um, you know, I, meant, I mentioned Friday, Pat, I want to interrupt you real quick there. I mentioned Friday to to JC, Phil, and, and Michael that uh, one of the things I was most concerned about going into this game, this isn't a pat on the bat comment, or really, you know, I'm only saying this to ask the question. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm in learning mode here from you. Um, one of the things I was most concerned about coming into the game was the news that Vershawn Lee would be out of it. Uh, he has been the most consistent and best offensive lineman all year long yep. playing center. They moved him to right tackle last week. Uh, I know that it didn't help them beat Florida because they couldn't stop anybody on defense, but it did seem like that offensive line, they, they felt like they'd at least found the answer. Okay, Trey Jones mm-hmm. in, Vershawn out uh, to right tackle, Gargiulo at center. Maybe this is the magic potion. He comes out of the game this weekend. And I thought that from a communication standpoint, not having your best offensive lineman out there, that, that might be a little bit of a struggle. I got just gradual head nods, head nods at that. Nobody, I don't think, really took it serious. But th- do you think that there was a major impact without your most experienced offensive there, lineman out there, at least from a communication standpoint? There is a direct correlation to having a really good center that handles all the upfront stuff and your quarterback success. Uh, I mean, I saw it firsthand. I mean, when my first two years in Atlanta or first three years in Atlanta, um, you know, Matt Ryan is a baller. He's, he's, I mean, I think he's top 10 ever in career yards thrown in NFL history. Um, I mean, he's, he was incredible. And we had some really good weapons out outside with Julio Roddy, Harry Douglas, Muhammad Sanu and all these guys. But, it wasn't until we brought in a guy by the name of Alex Mack, and within Alex Mack's first year, don't have him Matt Ryan, became the league MVP. Um, so having a really smart, sharp offensive line who's played a lot of football and is a great communicator, um, there is a direct correlation to quarterback success and having an offensive line. I mean, and it was funny because, I mean, Alex came in within the first two or three weeks. Matt was still trying to make all the mic calls and send the slide. And Alex Mack turned around. I remember this was maybe week three of OTAs. And he, like, turned around. He's like, hey, Matt, shut the hell up. Stop talking to my guys up front. I got them. You worry about the coverage. We're good. And sure enough, Matt Ryan ended up winning MVP that year. Um, a lot of success. I mean, same thing um, Same thing up in Buffalo. Like, I think the tide turned with the Buffalo Bills when I was up there. I mean, we had kind of a – uh, we kind of had a cycle of, I mean, we, we lost Eric Wood, who was a very, it was a staple play for seven or eight years in the NFL, a bunch of pro bowls. And then we had Russ Bodine and I think we even had a rookie come in and then we brought in Mitch Morse. Mitch Morse played with Patrick Mahomes was an all pro center and Mitch is still playing. He's still playing at an extremely high level. 
um, to Josh's success. So there's a direct correlation to having a seasoned veteran, great communicator, leader on the offensive line playing center in the quarterback success. So, I mean, you, you're spot on. Jamie, you know, you know more than what you, what you put on. Well, I try to not tell people that because uh, they just want to tell you you're wrong. So I just – that's why guys like you were on here uh, because you can say it. Nobody's going to want to come through a computer screen and punch you in the face. Uh, Pat, um, and if they do, they're going to get punched back, right? Um, <laughs> Pat, moving forward here uh, with the issues they have on – let's stay on the offensive side of the ball on, on the line of scrimmage. Uh, A&M is very, very good up front. Yeah. Very good up yeah. front. Their defensive line is very, very talented. Uh, Kentucky and Clemson, much of the same towards mm-hmm. the end of the year. I can't really say that about Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt, not to be disrespectful to them, but we there are three uh, I would call elite defensive lines that are down the road. But this weekend, specifically, you're back on the road. You don't get to walk into your own ballpark coming off of the loss. And uh, your backs are against the wall. Uh, you're still banged up. What, if anything, this is just kind of a ballpark thing here. You don't have to give a ton of specifics, but to get this offense moving down the field on the road where where they have struggled. They've struggled on the road to move the football and score. What, if anything, can you maybe give into or take away in lieu of getting something else improved and at least, you know, hey, look, we do this well, we can do this well, and let's just keep pounding that. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's a lot they, easier. They have to score points. Yeah, it's a lot easier points. from the install standpoint um, and with, from a confusion with all the fronts and the coverages and all that stuff for an offensive lineman to move forward and attack. Um, so I think kind of solidifying the run game and, and, and making that a staple early and often will be a big thing because maybe that will – you know, kind of keep A and M out of their exotic blitzes, all their all their twist games and inside, and their TTs and TEs and all that stuff. So, I mean, and not to mention, if they start doing some of that stuff, like that stuff is really good against the pass, but against the run, if you start running all those stunts, like you get one guy out of gap, like we saw when we gave up that run right there on the eleven yard line, uh, when our backers were out of place. Like once you start moving around and doing too much stuff, it's really hard to hold your gap integrity. So. I think Dow will try to solidify the run game um, and then get Spencer out there um, some easy completions early to get him some confidence. Um, and, I mean, one thing that needs to be done, I mean, I mean, you, you can't hide from it. Carolina's a 2-5 and five football team right now. Um, and yeah. last two games they've played like it. Um, prior to that, they were playing, I think, above, above what their record said. Um, but – um, it's going to be super important for Coach Beamer and all the coaches and all the staff and everybody in that building to stay motivated. Uh, it's very easy to kind of get get down in the dump and, and start pointing fingers and this and that. And in all reality, the only the only person that's going to get you out of your situation is you. Um, so it's going to be big on the leadership, um, the captains on this team, these guys that wear that C on their chest, that wear it proudly. It's time to earn that thing. Um, I mean, I was – part of some bad football teams at times and part of some good football teams at times. You have to remain constant in your leadership. Um, you can't be too many ebbs and flows. I mean, when times are good, times are good, and times are bad, times are bad. No, you have to kind of stay pretty even-keeled. Um, so I think from a from a leadership standpoint in the building this week, this week is going to be a big week of, hey, let's trust the process, stay the course, uh, continue to love each other, build each other up, um, and let's just go out there and compete, man. It's um, – I mean, what I would give to be able to 
putting my shoulder pads on and play with all the guys from college one more time or even high school. I mean, NFL was a little more businessy, right? It's kind of a revolving door. But, I mean, when you think about your high school days, you play with the kids you grew up with. And then you play in college with the four same guys for four years in a row. I mean, best friends, guys in your weddings, guys you still keep in contact with now. So, I mean, if any of the guys are listening to this, uh, it's play for the guy to your left and your right. Screw the name on the back of your jersey. Play for the guys next to you. Uh, That's – Something that always got me through hard times when teams weren't good was to know that you worked all winter. You worked in winter workouts. You worked during preseason, OTAs, training camp, summer workouts. You grinding with these guys. It's time to go. Keep keep that going. Um, so, and and you had hinted on. I can't get off the show without saying this. We have uh, if there's any former Letterman playing is from or uh, planning on or listening to this. From we have our reunion from the 2010 to 2013 seasons, and that's going to be Jacksonville State game. An email has been sent out. Um, if anybody can be out there and relay that message, we have about 75 guys signed up now. The old ball coach called me last week and challenged me to get over 100 guys to this thing. So, come on, guys, we can't let can't let the HBC down. <laughs> no, don't do that. Yeah, because he he'll still tell you what he'll still say whatever he feels like saying to you if you yeah. do. You well, know that. I mean, if everybody else lets him down, I'm going to be the one that gets an earful of it. Shit, D Mark, oh, come on, D Mark. <laughs> How about Steven? Is he coming up? He's getting married soon. Um, uh, yes, Garcia is going to be there. Um, mm. he actually caught the first typo. There was a typo in the little mem- uh, memorandum that went out, and Steve Garcia, the one that catches the typo. <laughs> Big typo guy. Oh, he's a, he's a big typo guy. I that I'm bringing my kids to that game. It will be really unique uh, for them to be able to see that group of people out there. The 2010 to 2013 group. If anything, Gamecock fans, um, you might be very unsatisfied, and I have every reason to be uh, with the way that this year is going. But this group gave you the best you've ever had, ever, ever. I mean, 120 was, plus was years. So much of fun too. Yeah, I mean, so, I go see I go back, getting chills, but I mean, going back and playing, playing with the Black Sea and the Garnet and Black. I mean, I would give anything to get another game in Williams Bryce Stadium. Well, certainly uh, look forward to seeing all of y'all out there because you deserve uh, deserve that uh, pat on the back from seventy, eighty thousand at Williams Bryce Stadium. You, of course, part of the first ever sec eastern the the only it'll be the only ever sec eastern division title because divisions are going away Uh, so that will never change thanks a lot as always pat really good stuff today and uh hopefully next week we've got a win to talk about and the gamecocks back on track heading into november and maybe with a chance to do some special things at home yeah uh, cheer on the bills for us too we'll be up there we'll be road two right at the 50 um might have my shirt off might not who knows we'll see um, I was going to ask but, you, are you going to jump off a truck onto a table while you're up there? Or what do you, you know, what's the, yeah, I mean, if you've ever heard of Pinto Ron, they got a mustard ketchup guy who squirts ketchup and mustard. Who knows? It might get weird up there. Who knows? <laughs> uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm envisioning Miss Lippy from uh, Billy Madison, but you. <laughs> <laughs> same, same difference, right? Ketchup, not glue, man. <laughs> Have a safe trip, brother. Good to see you, and um, and I'll see you next week. All right, see you guys. There you go, Pat DeMarco. You're on inside the game, Cooks. <laughs>
the show. It is time to step aside. It's 1239 on this Monday, October the 23rd, trying to find some humor in an otherwise gloomy Monday as we look back on the game that was. We'll take a drive around the SEC and continue to talk some Gamecock football. We're served by Chicken Cock Whiskey. And speaking of that drive, driven by our friends at Love Chevrolet. Great deals with the end of the year approaching. If you are in the market for a brand new car or truck, I'll bet you you'll find it at Love Chevy in Columbia. Hang tight. We'll be right back. Hey, folks, it's JB. And as we all know, it's football season. My favorite place to shop for myself and the family is Gamecock Traditions in Lexington. They have the widest selection of Gamecocks attire, plus all the cool accessories for tailgating, cooking, kids, shoes, hats, and so much more. Most importantly for me, you can order online at GamecockTraditions.com and it's shipped timely to your door. I've been shopping here for years, and I hope you will too. Order online right now on the Chief Sports app. Go Gamecocks! Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include a variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to Elite Roofing. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today.
right, 12.43, final segment, hour two, Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Thanks to our friends at uh, Charleston Fitness Equipment. I don't feel like a fat slob during football season because I drink too much and eat too much. Able to go get on the hydro rower. I've lost weight. I don't look fat on the TV screen, and I feel good. That is a win in itself. Thanks to Michelle Wilkins and their team. Uh, they have incredible sales going on right now as well with the holidays coming up. Charleston Fitness Equipment, you can come from anywhere in the state. But if you have the internet, you uh, don't actually have to walk in the store. Um, it, this thing called the internet allows you to look at the website, and then you can give them a call, and y'all can work it out from there. So, Michelle, you are a saint, and I thank you for what you do for us, for what you do for really humanity, uh, as good of a person as you are, and what you do for Carolina Rise, because uh, Charleston Fitness and and Electric Bites of Charleston are uh, major contributors to Carolina Rise, and we cannot thank them Enough. The AP Top 25 uh, came out yesterday. The top six unchanged. Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, Washington, and Oklahoma. A lot of close calls this weekend. Texas is right behind them, probably where they should be at seven. Oregon at eight. Alabama back into the top ten at number nine. And then there is Penn State. They did not fall out of the top ten with that loss on the road in Columbus, but they are at number 10 so you've got georgia at one and then you've got bama at nine the next highest ranked uh, sec program is old miss they just they they're always hanging around under lane kiffin and there they are right back at number 12 lsu is back behind them at number 15 moving up uh, four spots from their win over army this weekend uh, missouri at 16 up four after beating the gamecocks the Vols dropped four slots after losing on the road in Tuscaloosa. And Florida is at 26. They received 34 votes, so they're on the outside looking in. Five of those teams that I just mentioned are seven uh, or five of the seven first five of the first seven opponents for Gamecock football this year. I mentioned all except Furman and Mississippi State. So as JC pointed out just a little while ago, it has certainly been a tough road to hoe from a uh, scheduling standpoint. However, uh, that is no excuse. Uh, Carolina, you're expected to, to to go win games, and you can't win eight, nine games a year unless you beat somebody you're not supposed to beat, and they have yet to do that. Um, so here they sit at two and five, one and four in the league with A&M coming up next. Uh, JC, I know you weren't on there with uh, Pat. And um, and Phil had to pop out for a little bit, but um, but uh, really, really good stuff from Pat DeMarco, kind of explaining a lot of the issues that we saw this weekend. You feel like they're correctable, but certainly uh, from the fan base side of things, it's hard to even envision anything like that because right now the record is what it is. Yeah, you are what your record says. Shane says that all the time. Every coach says it all the time. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. It's a two and five football team. Um, unfortunately, you know, like like I look at I look at this situation and then look at like Arkansas. Um, Arkansas <clears throat> tough schedule, tough losses, close calls, uh, and then but then the bottom fell out Saturday. You know, I think with South Carolina, you, you really hadn't had. You had one close call, you lost that you won't back. But other than that, you know, they've gotten pretty much handled. Uh, Georgia, I guess you could call that a close one. Um, what you don't want to have happen is the bottom fallout, you know. And, and, and I don't know that win or, win or lose this weekend. I think 
I just looked. A&M has 29 sacks this year. South Carolina has 13. They both played seven games. So there's the difference in ability up front that you're talking about, you know, with the injuries on the offensive line. Hell, I don't know what's going to – I don't know what you could possibly scheme up uh, in that situation. Um, But, like I said earlier, A&M sometimes straight up don't show up. You know, it's just like, oh, well, we got this gig and yee-haw. You know, so there, there's always a chance, but realistically, you look at it, you're two and six, you know, so that's pretty bad. Uh, you do have, but then you have four, four left and you can't let the bottom fall out. The bottom will fall out if you lose to Jacksonville State or, or Vanderbilt. But those, that, those, I mean, all these other games, you're right. It's not an excuse. You're, you know, to get to where you want to be, you're going to have to beat some teams you're not supposed to beat. I think Beamer's done that his first couple of years, not this oh, yeah. year, obviously, but yeah. uh, but you you look, you you have to shoot, you have to you have to not have that catastrophic type of defeat. You know, like like in the Muschamp era, I think what set his dismissal in motion was that 2019 team. Um, you know, it got down to it and. Yeah, you're still kind of in the mix for a bowl or, or whatever. You had beaten Georgia and Kentucky, a tough loss against Florida. You beat Vanderbilt. Well, well then you lose at home to App State. Mm-hmm. And you lose that one, and it's like, well, that's it. Uh, and then, unfortunately, you have to play A&M on the road and then a very, very, very good Clemson team uh, at home to end the year. Um, you got to avoid that kind of stuff. You got to avoid the – the uh, bottom falling out losses. And I don't think, you know, even with a loss Saturday against a and I don't think this team's there yet. Uh, but November presents some opportunity um, schedule-wise. And, you know, there's nothing that says, just like last year when they started one and two, and they looked like teetotal dog poop against Georgia, which Georgia made a lot of teams look that way <laughs> last year, including in the national championship game. Uh, and all hope is lost and, and all this stuff. You know, they found a way to rally. They had the two get-right games with State and, and Charlotte and went up to Kentucky, got a big win, even though it was kind of fortuitous that, that Will Levis didn't play. I don't know that they wouldn't have still won that game, but they want to go on away. And then big one with A&M at home, and he had confidence to go in there and compete. You know, th- this team right now, there is some confidence. There's a confidence issue right now. Uh, Clayton White, one of the things he's right about in his press conference is this is not a confident bunch on defense. And you can tell because they'll make a couple of good plays and then the other team inevitably will counterpunch and then it's straight up the middle untouched for a yard. I mean, you know, it's, it's, there, there's something misfiring on that side of the ball. And so, uh, well, I know. think it's turnovers because this team has lived off of turnovers the last two years. And I think they've gotten used to that being their saving grace and they're not getting them and it's deflating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's covered up for a lot of deficiencies. I think you know that that have been Great. there. Yeah, yeah, and and now it's starting to rear its ugly head because you've regressed back to the mean when it comes to turnover output. Uh, and then you know it's yeah, you know you just hate to see it. It's like you know the emperor has no clothes. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah, I agree. You know, I mean, that's exactly what's happened. <laughs> Very well said, Phil. I mean, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, I, I'm not going to go as far as to say that this defense has been dreadful 
its entire time under under Clayton White. I don't think that it has been, but certainly there have been some issues uh, for a couple of years around here. And when you do get a bunch of turnovers, there's a couple of things that happen, right? Uh, one, you're, 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 that, that stat looks a lot better, uh, the turnover margin stat. The other is that when you have the ball and they don't, they can't gain yards. So a lot of these, a lot of these, you know, really poor stats on the defensive side, and there's a lot of them, uh, have been masked maybe a little bit by that over the last couple of years that they've been so opportunistic. Now the offense hasn't done anything outstanding other than the end of last year, of course. I get it. But when they've had the ball, that means the other team doesn't have the ball, and that means they can't move the ball, and that means they don't have additional opportunities to be able to score. And and so that's that that probably plays a little bit of a part in this. Had you not had the turnover numbers you've had the last couple of years, now that we have all this information, you know, 21, 22, the, the half of 23, mm-hmm. had you not had all those turnovers in 21 and in 22, what would those defensive numbers look like? So, you know, but you did, but you did. So, but it's a it's a fair conversation. Not taking shots at anybody, but certainly is a fair conversation to ha- to have. The, the other part of it, Jamie, too, is the defense would score. I mean, how Absolutely. many uh, South Carolina yeah, was what top ten in, de- in yeah. non offensive touchdowns the last couple of years? I mean that that masks when you start getting that that masks a lot. But again, I get back to injuries and depth. You know, people are wondering well, why in the special teams special. Uh, and I thought Kai Kroger had a nice rebounding game. He his punts were not beautiful. Uh, they were kind of off, yeah. But they rolled, wrong. but hey, but he got some rolls, man. Forty-eight point seven yards a kick. I'll take that. Um, I mean, I know they weren't beautiful, but maybe that gets him going a little bit. Mitch Jeter continues to be elite. I mean, he, do, do you think he's? Do you think they're just not letting the cat out of the bag, and there's something bothering him? Because it just, yeah, it doesn't look right. Something doesn't look right. I haven't heard of anything, but man, keep in mind these are college kids, and you don't know what's impacting their concentration it could be uh, something that's like a professor doesn't like him and he's struggling yeah with he's a punter man he's a punter you a, punt it you just drop be, it and kick it could be the female thing like, he's like doing too, he's doing too many things though to try to fi- figure figure out what works i yeah. I, I don't know I, there's something something's off that something's off i'll just yeah. leave it at that that's my opinion. Um, i just you know uh, I, I, so I don't know. Uh, I, I was like just glad Harrison to, here. Rat glad poison. to see the numbers. Rat poison. Well, Rat I, I, there might be something in that. You know, he got a lot of disrespect this summer from the from an outside standpoint. If you ask me, I defended him publicly. I I think some people uh, didn't acknowledge him as one of the best punters in the country, and he's not been one this year. But I think I feel like there's more to that. Hopefully, hopefully. I mean, I get it. I, I know what Pete said, Austin. I know what Pete said. I'm just saying. It's like the slugger's wife, man. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? It's a great movie, by the way. A terrible, terrible, but great movie. It's got the Braves in it. Who doesn't like a good Braves movie? <laughs> but, uh, you know, people want to know why the other units are on special teams aren't doing what they did last year. Well, it's because, you know, when you don't have depth, you, you know, in your guys, I mean, look how many snaps <laughs> – Excuse the me. starting corners are playing. Yeah. I mean, you can't you can't put them on special teams. So you're relying on inexperienced guys or walk-ons, and that impacts it. That's why depth depth. depth everybody wants to talk about excuses, injuries, or excuses, all that. Uh, in some cases, they are, but when you get to this point, it, it's it's really just reality because it impacts everything. I mean, 
you're talking about Luke Mitt missing that many offensive linemen and, you know, you, you miss some key people, uh, you know, and, and I, and I don't know, I don't know what the answer is, but when you, and Limbo mentioned this at the beginning of the year about special teams, he's like, well, I don't have the guys I had last year because we lost guys. And then these, so these other guys that were playing special teams have to play. I mean, when you're four deep at corner, you can put Marcellus Dial and O'Donnell fortune on your special teams. I think Darius Rush did play on every special team. You know, yeah. you could yeah. put, you know, uh, guys, you know, guys out there uh, at linebacker to make things happen when you got depth there, you know, I mean, look how many, I mean, Bam Martin, Scott and Pup Howard are playing more now, but they're, they're not out there all the time. And, you know, if, if, if you want to criticize the recruiting at linebacker, that's fine. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. And I think there's a lot to be said there, but uh, you know, linebackers are the guys that play a lot of special running backs, play backup running backs, play a lot of special teams, you know, and, and you don't have a lot of depth there. So uh, I think that's probably been why you haven't seen South Carolina make the wild, wild plays uh, on, on, on teams, the blo- the punt blocks and things like that. Um, you know, if you kind of remember back as to who was doing the blocking of the punts and things last year, I think you'd find there a lot of starters. Uh, from this year's team. So that's that's a long-term kind of – and short-term recruiting thing. Yeah, you just got to go get more players and get the ones you got better. Uh, I, I think if there's a coaching – something you got to circle on coaching, uh, there's probably a little – there's a player development issue on defense, not necessarily across the board, but in certain spots, I think, because uh, there's guys that just aren't getting any better that should be. Um, now, and I'm not, I'm not talking about Travian Robertson here at all. Cause I think TJ Sanders emergence alone kind of shows you that guy can coach. Um, you know, I, I don't know what Taka and Boogie's issues are this year, but honestly, they're, they're kind of just about the same. Uh, maybe Travian can get more out of them next season. Who knows? But at edge guys aren't getting better. Uh, linebacker guys aren't getting better. Um, to a certain extent they are, but not really. Um, you know, I, I think that the the plan at safety needs to – you need to have a – you need to decide, like, are D.Q. Smith and Nick Emanuori really safeties? Uh, and, and, look, I was told, hell, yeah, they are. There's no question about it. But, you know, maybe, 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 maybe you do look at them more closer to the line of scrimmage. Get some more athleticism in the box to play linebacker. Because they're both huge, you know. They're both big enough to yeah. play that spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 you know, the, and the other question I have is 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 are these guys hurt or or what? Like, what's the story with David Spalding? He played one snap. Uh, so is he just healthy enough to go for one or two snaps? What, what's what's the story there? That guy was a playmaker. He was your starting nickel uh, until he got hurt for the first two years here. So so those are all questions that I think are very fair. Uh, and I think the struggles right now are not just at the feet of the coaching staff. A lot of it is, but then a lot of it's this injury situation. I mean, you just can't operate that way uh, and overcome that much because uh, it affects your entire organization. You know, last year, throughout the entire year, 90 points off the turnovers for the game cut defense. This year, through seven games, just 24. That is a big, 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 big difference. Not even on pace to have half of the points off turnovers they had in 20. 22. We'll step aside. Hour two is in the books. Hour three coming up inside the game. Dodge the show. 
Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Not today, sweetie. One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. Because you've become my home. These windows could shut into the ground. These walls could fall right down. Monday inside the Gamecocks, the show from the Sinorama Studios. Hello, Matt Vaughn and your fine team in West Columbia. They are the preferred side partners of the Gamecocks. Hoop season is coming up, another busy time of the year for Sinorama. If you own a business or a vehicle or a golf cart or anything, if you need any sign 
signage, anything. That's where you go. It is Signorama in West Columbia. And if you uh, head to Signorama.com, you can find all of their contact information, of, of course. But um, if you do need something, this is your sign guy. He's the Gamecock sign guy. And there's also the best. And that's why we're honored to be working with Matt Vaughn and Signorama in uh, West Columbia. Uh, good news for you afternooners. The November 4th TV schedule is out. Carolina hosting Jacksonville State at noon on ESPNU. So a great day to bring the kids to the ballpark. Uh, those whom, like mine, this will be their first game. Cannot wait to walk into williams Bryce Stadium for their first real game. Hannah and Riley are going to just be lit up. And that's a great time of the day for us to get in there. And uh, all of you who have children, this might be a perfect game to bring them in as well. And they'll get to see a little piece of history that we all once experienced from 2010 to 2013. As Pat DeMarco just a little while ago was promoting those four programs, uh, excuse me, those uh, four football teams during those four seasons will be recognized at halftime of this game between the Gamecocks and the Gamecocks. Uh, this will be the first time that's ever happened. We'll all be able to say we were there for the only game in the history of college football where two Gamecocks played, uh, which is pretty <laughs> unique. ESPNU, if for some reason you can't make it to williams Bryce Stadium, Jacksonville State, and South Carolina. The rest of the slate that day, A&M, is at old it's a good slate uh in, in for the SEC. AM at Ole Miss at noon on ESPN and Arkansas at Florida at noon on ESPN two, also at noon on the SEC network, Yukon at Tennessee. So four SEC football games being played at noon. At three thirty, Missouri is at Georgia. Can they shock the world? And if they do, they will be leading the SEC East. We'll find out. That's on CBS, part of a day-night double dip on CBS this particular week, one of two that they will have this year. Auburn is at Vandy at four on the SEC Network. Kentucky is at uh, Mississippi State at 7.30 on the SEC Network. And I mentioned the day-night double dip, LSU and Alabama at 7.45 that night on uh, CBS from T-Town in Alabama. So that is the uh, week four, or I'm sorry, the um, November 4th SEC on TV uh, schedule. Oh, man. All right. Lots of talking today. The standings, by the way, 5-0 and Bama in the West, Georgia 4-0 and in the East. Bama was down 20-7, to but they kept their calm and their cool, and they were able to come back and beat uh, Tennessee over the weekend, guys. So um, they – are still right in the thick of it. <laughs> I think it was said this morning um, by by my friend Preston Thorne. He said, you know, I, I don't think that Bama is the good that we're used to seeing out of Bama, but they're really damn tough, and and they, they don't go down easy. And uh, they sh- certainly have shown that. Elsewhere around the country this weekend, you had Ohio State over Penn State, 20 to 12. Um, if Riley Leonard didn't go down in the Duke Florida State game, maybe that looks different because it totally changed when he went down. They were in it. Uh, Florida State was losing at halftime 20 to 17 to Duke, and then the Knowles hung 21 on them in the fourth quarter to win it comfortably 38 to 20. Uh, Oklahoma was scared out of their minds this weekend by a team that had not won a game in the Big 12, their inaugural season in the Big 12, UCF, now 0-4 in the league, but their first one almost came on the road against Brent Venable Sooners, who I 
have thought uh, are the best team in the Big 12. Arizona State almost pulled off a absolute stunner at Washington. That game was 7-3 to three entering the fourth quarter. The Sun Devils were leading. Washington pulls away 15-7. to seven. Texas had a close one on the road at Dana Holgerson in Houston. They win 31-24. I thought on Friday Oregon might might be in for a little bit of a dogfight, and they were. They outscored the Washington State Cougars 14-3 in the third quarter, but and they win 38-24, but it was close for a while. Uh, you had, uh, I mentioned Tennessee and Alabama. Ole Miss survives on the road at Auburn. That game I thought would be pretty close, and it was. Utah takes down Southern Cal, so we don't have to hear about them anymore except for this newfound narrative that now their quarterback is the greatest thing to ever play quarterback, and he should sit out the rest of the season. But Utah (laughs) with that big win there. And then you had what happened in Chapel Hill. 31-27, to Virginia over North Carolina. Tony Elliott and the Wahoos get their first win of the year in ACC play. They stunned, stunned them. Uh, nobody, nobody, and I mean nobody saw that coming. JC, we said a couple of weeks ago that I thought, you thought, I think we collectively around here thought Virginia might be the worst Power 5 team in the country. Maybe they are, but Saturday night was their night in Chapel Hill, North Mm. Carolina. Might still play for an ACC championship, but it is very unlikely they'll play in a college football playoff. That's the type of game that can take the wind out of your sails in a hurry. Yeah. Uh, if you remember last year, too, North Carolina got off to a really good start and then sputtered down the stretch. Uh, they still got in, they still won their division, but uh, they lost to NC State, dropped a game to, home to Georgia Tech last year that was not pretty. Uh, so this was kind of their Georgia Tech game. I don't know how in the hell Virginia won the game. Uh, the North Carolina's probably you know, three times as talented. Uh, but honestly, every every team Virginia plays probably has a lot more talent. I mean, uh, uh, it was just will and desire, and you know, hey, look, you got to credit Tony Elliott. Maybe he turns it around. Maybe, uh, maybe all of Dabo's former assistants outside of Brent Venables can get it done. I mean, I, I look at USF this year too, and Jeff Scott actually left the guy from Tennessee. Pretty good team. I mean, they're not they're not world beaters. They've had some ugly ones, but they've had some good wins too, and they're four and four which is as many games as Jeff Scott won his entire career there. Um, but, look, it's uh, if you're doing North Carolina, you, you just have to feel like – I mean, I, I know at South Carolina a lot of times we, we kind of see the same movie over and over again. But, man, you really have to feel like, wow. You know, you, you got everything set up for you. I mean, you could even accept a loss to Duke because they're really good. You know, you can accept losing to NC State because they've owned you for the mm-hmm. most part. Um, Clemson at Clemson, obviously, but man, oh man, you had all the momentum in the world and you lose at home to Virginia. Uh, you guys know that, you know, along with Georgia and Auburn, that's the, the South's other oldest rivalry, North Carolina, yeah. Virginia. Yep, it is. So, so it's that's, actually uh, the South's oldest rivalry. Uh, Auburn and Georgia is the deep South's oldest rivalry. The deep South. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a difference. Yeah. So, yeah, I, it, it, I'm still I still think the ACC at the end of the year I'm still pretty convinced that it'll be North Carolina and Florida State um in the ACC title game I think mm-hmm. um I mean 
I mean, technically, I mean, Louisville and Duke aren't out of it either. Uh, well, hell, Virginia Tech isn't out of it. Like a word. Yeah. Yeah. They're not out of it either, but uh, I'd say that's less likely than the others. I mean, Louisville has Duke coming up this weekend, which is really interesting because whoever wins that game certainly is going to have a leg up. Um, so that'll kind of be decided on the field. With Louisville, though, afterwards, you got so you have three straight home games. You got Duke, Virginia Tech, and Virginia. And then they go to Miami and then they host Kentucky. I mean, guys. I mean, it, clearly anything can happen. We're just, that's why we're talking about this. We just saw what happened in the Virginia-North Carolina game. We're not saying that it can't. But if anything can happen, it also can happen on the other side, whereas in Louisville finishes the year, I'm sorry, 11-1? and 11-1? <laughs> now, they are coming off their first loss. It was embarrassing at Pittsburgh, 38-21. to But oh. it could happen. But I'm, I still think it's, it's Florida State-North Carolina until it's not. Yeah, I agree on that side of it. I, I, I'm kind of leaning that way. Of course, it may all come down to what this Duke North Carolina game towards the end of the year, right? Boy, that'd be yeah. something, wouldn't it? Don't sleep on Miami with this one. Uh, they yeah. uh, they got two conference losses because that Georgia Tech debacle. But yeah, that, oh boy, they get Virginia this week. <laughs> well, the Wahoos just beat them too for good measure. But they play Virginia at NC State. They got FSU on the road. They were embarrassed by FSU last year. That game normally, though, could go either way. And then they got Louisville. So they could could play their way into it. Um, North Carolina's schedule, obviously, is a little more, you know, fortuitous or or forgiving. Um, I don't know, man. After Florida State impressed me because – Duke is a tough team. It's it's got to be tough. I don't even I don't care if it's ABC at night with everybody doing the tomahawk chop. It's 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 I think it's hard for teams to get up for Duke, and then they play harder and more physical and and, and tougher than anyone in the country, which says a lot about college football. When Duke is your the toughest one of the toughest most physical teams in America, you know, yeah, with, with the limited way they can recruit, and you know th- that's just not when they've won in the past under Spurrier and, and Cutcliffe. They've been a tough football team, but it's been much more finesse and 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 good play calling on offense, out scheming you, things like that nature. With Cutcliffe and Spurrier, obviously two of the best ever do it play calling wise. Mike Elko's beating people by running the ball and playing damn defense at yeah. Duke. I mean, <laughs> that, 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 if you say if you if, if 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 you're asking me about the Duke job, I'm not telling you yet. You need to go hire the guy that's just going to play defense, run the ball. And, and play extremely physical every time out, you know. And Harrison says in the chat box, Duke is man enough. Heck yeah, they are. <laughs> they're older. Um, they're older. They're very, they, they're they very got good old. Leadership. They're they're uh, defense is actually tough, but it's also they're also pretty fast defensively. They've got a, they got a good they got good foot speed, as Larry Munson used to say on defense. <laughs> so don't count them out either, man. I'm telling you, we can see we can see a Duke FSU rematch in Charlotte. <laughs> Crazy as it sounds, because uh, because they're the type of team too that if North Carolina does not show up to play, they will beat that butt because they don't care. They're not scared. They're not scared of anybody. They're fearless. I mean, going into Tallahassee like that in front of that crowd and taking the lead and walking away thinking Man, we should have won the football game. I mean that, that that says something right there. They already lined up against the mighty you know, big boys, bullies in the conference on Labor Day night and beat the tar out of them, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know, yep. man. I, 
Listen, I know that was, you know, almost should have beaten Notre Dame. I mean, Duke is uh, Duke's impressive. Duke's impressive. So uh, all, the, all the Aggies that you talk to after the Gamecocks upset A and M this weekend that, that want to fire Jimbo, they're going to start talking about Mike Elko. I guarantee you. I'm yeah, just well, kidding about that. And, my, and and look, Mike Elko. I don't think there's any way he's at Duke next year because you cannot. If you're Mike Elko, you you can't sustain it. Not there. You just can't. It is what it is. Mm-hmm. You're gonna have good years. You're gonna have bad years. Um, you, you you're gonna have to if if that's what you're interested in is moving up the chain and and trying to go out and get more money. Then you're gonna have to you're gonna have to move on or you'll at least coax the Blue Devils into a substantial long term deal with a large buyout to where you're protected. But um, I think it's, it's slim chance that Mike Elko will. We'll return next year. JC, your favorite program outside of South Carolina, though, is NC State. And they're one and two in the ACC, four and three overall. And they've been really putrid offensively in the league in the last couple of games, only scoring 10 against Louisville and three against Duke. They'll host Clemson coming up this weekend. The Tigers are just two and three in the ACC and four and three overall. It's always a challenge for them to go to Raleigh. And it will be this weekend. And then they have to host Notre Dame on ABC. And, of course, the ACC is the worst league in the country about the six state holds. I cannot believe that they let them get away with that consistently. It's a joke. So, once again, they're holding all these kick times until Sunday but uh, for the uh, November 4th slate. But So, the Tigers got have this trip, and then they've got the uh, Notre Dame at home, which you feel like that, that will feel like their get-right game if there ever was one. And then uh, you've got North Carolina, or you got Georgia Tech, North Carolina, and then on the road at South Carolina. The reality of it is, if they lose against NC State, they're staring, de- I mean, definitely four, five, six losses in the face in the ACC. Let me ask you this. At mm-hmm. four and three with five games to go, is there it, what percentage would you put on it that the Tigers don't finish better than 500? If they lose to NC State, no, just in—I mean, where they are right now after seven games, they're at four and three. So, what's the remaining games? NC State on the road at NC State, home for Notre Dame and Georgia Tech, and North Carolina, and then on the road at South Carolina. Those three home games. Mm-hmm. The home games are going to determine it. Yeah, no doubt. And I don't know. It's going to be tough. I give them a sixty-five percent chance to finish five hundred. <laughs> NC State, Georgia Tech. I mean, I feel like look, there's. I think they have three wins left. I think they are seven and five this year. Their 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 defense is good enough to where if you don't have weapons like NC State, they they really struggle to score against even the. I mean, like like I remember watching the Louisville game, and now I'll say this: if you want to flip it on the other side, NC State's defense is pretty good. I mean, they've had some pretty good games this year. Um, they just wear out as the game goes on. I mean, I, I remember watching Notre Dame ended up being a 45-24 ball game. Who's defense? But, you said NC State's defense is good? NC State's defense is pretty good. I mean, it's, gave up 41 uh, to Marshall. Yeah, they scored 48. That was a weird Well, one. I know that. <laughs> the defense didn't score 48. <laughs> yeah, they did. They, 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 got, they got six safeties. Yeah. Know, but uh, it's – um. 
I'll, when was I'll the last this? time Clemson they, was in the playoffs? No, to to your point, they've had they've had a pretty good year defensively, but a lot of that's against teams that can't score. I mean, fourteen against U- UConn, seven against VMI, twenty one against Virginia. Yeah. I mean, thirteen they gave up forty five to Notre Dame. Thirteen at home. Well, what about this forty one to Marshall? You haven't answered me yet. That that's a that's okay. Marshall's a heavy, high powered offense. You gotta take a mulligan hey, on that one. Hey, the thundering herd. You just don't know what you're messing with when the when the herd comes to town, baby. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, yeah. the the Notre Dame found that out, right? But what that tells you is that JMU really is getting screwed at the for, end of the year. Marshall also, <laughs> for what it's yeah. worth, that's for what it's worth. Forty one. Marshall scored against NC State's the most points they scored in any game this season. Marshall <laughs> also beat Virginia Tech earlier this year. Uh, the Hokies. Um, I don't know. Comparing scores will get you in trouble. I think Clemson has. I think NC State is going to be sky high for the game. I think that environment. I, and I don't. I don't dislike NC State. I, I just think Dave or Doran is averages grits. I mean, as a South Carolina person, when they were talking about him taking the Tennessee job back when that that crazy search that ended in Pruitt, when it landed mm-hmm. on Dorn, five, I was sitting there two coaches ahead of Dorn, and I'm like, all right, how close are we to Dorn? How close? All right, we got this guy to turn it. Tony Elliott's going to turn it down. All right, mm-hmm. we got this other guy. I think I think they talk. They're going to go talk to Gundy again, and then it's Dorn. And I was like, all right, we're cooking with grease. Here we go. <laughs> and then the idiot turned it down <laughs> to remain at eight win you. Uh, and and, and I've just I've just I've, you know I've, I've never thought he was that good of a hire. And then he he acted like such a you know what with with the laptop thing like. Like Clemson, like look, I know, I know, none of us here are big Clemson people, right? But you can't blame losing to them with that team and those guys. They got the, the talent they have. You can't blame that on oh, they're stealing something with the laptop, or you're not allowed to have that. I mean, that's just petty. Um, so I'm just not, I'm just not a Dave Dorn fan. I've always thought he's overrated. I'm sure he's a nice guy, mm-hmm. but Clemson does struggle up there. I mean, they lost up there in 2021. Uh, it's usually a different type of game when it's in Raleigh versus in Clemson. Um, and, you know, I think NC State's – Clemson's struggling enough on offense to where I think if NC State plays inspired defensively, they could get into one of these – I mean, look, Clemson beat Wake Forest 17-12, to 12, guys. Yeah. At home. Yeah. <laughs> they know, escaped, didn't they? L- l- yeah. I mean, and so NC State needs that type of game to win. Do I, am I going to pick them to win? Probably not. But uh, I do think that, uh, you know, I, I think for Clemson, that's a get right game. They can go up there, win 27 6, something like that. Defense gets rolling. And then you got the Irish coming to Death Valley. And that's what it's got to be Waterloo there. You know, yeah, there's 10 if, point favors in the game. Clemson yeah. If, if Clemson can win, could beat NC State and then beat Notre Dame. You're talking about a different type of of narrative surrounding them as opposed to, you know, because then you go and you got North Carolina coming in, Georgia Tech coming in. I mean, you could Clemson could be eight eight and three coming to Columbia uh, easily. They have to mm-hmm. fix a lot before they can do that. But I think we've seen through the years just when you think those guys are uh, destined for five and seven that they end up surprising you in some way. And it's usually a game like this at NC State where you go. Well, they could lose, uh, but they're the better team. And then they win. Kind of like Syracuse a couple of weeks ago. I thought that was kind of their restart. Um, and I thought they beat the holy hell out of Wake Forest. No pun intended for the Deacons there. <laughs> holy hell, Deacons. Uh, 
but they didn't. And then the Miami game, I thought they had them beat. Wasn't meant to be. And so, I don't know. I don't know. They're, they're a very enigmatic team uh, right now. You kind of compare them to South Carolina. I think it's a pick them at home, to be honest, if you're the Gamecocks, just because Clemson's been so pedestrian on offense uh, for to a certain extent, and then Carolina at home plays better uh, on offense and can score. Uh, you know, you, you can see a scenario where if Clemson's sputtering around out there, the Gamecocks get a couple of big plays and get the breaks, uh, they could they could win the football game. But that's a long way away. 124 here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Special thanks again to our friends out at Palm Casual, Aaron Beasley, and uh, and his entire team. They had a wild sale yesterday, the warehouse clearance sale. That place was bonkers, 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 bonkers. And if any of you need anything for the outdoors, anything at all, that is just the coolest place I've ever been in. I'm, I know him well. This is not an endorsement. Because of friendship, it is an endorsement because how impressed I am with that new store in Somerville. Uh, Palm Casual is so, so sweet. So make sure you, even if you happen to miss the sale and you need something, anything uh, from wicker or whatever whatever it may be for the outdoors, a fire pit, rocking chairs, I mean, you name it, they've got it. Uh, Make sure that you, uh, you look them up and find them and go see them. At Palm Casual in Somerville, right there off of exit 199A on the way into Charleston or on the way out of Charleston. Uh, we need to step aside, so we'll do that. Who is the worst team in the SEC? Interesting question. I'll pull the audience and I'll pull the panel here when we return on Inside the Game Cox, the show built by the Barndoco. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 864- 414-5271 Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. 
But at the Barn Dough Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy installation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Dough Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go Gamecocks. Vodka proudly presents the Chief Sports Network. Welcome back inside the Gamecocks, the show. Thanks to our friends at Dixie Vodka for what they do for our sanity during football season. I might add, it goes very, very, very well. If you like, we've got the noon kit coming up for Jacksonville State. If you are planning to do Bloody Marys that day, the Dixie Pepper Vodka, whew, all the crab houses in Charleston use that for, for their Bloody Marys. It's the best I think I've ever put in a Bloody Mary. So just a little little drinking nugget for all of you once again to keep your sanity here during Gamecock football season. Tonight on the uh, agenda for sports, it it's I, with Monday night football, you do have Monday night football, but it's baseball's night, man. The Diamondbacks are in Philadelphia trying to stay alive. Christian Walker and Arizona down 3 to 2, 507 is the first pitch on TBS and then tonight at 803 on Fox and on Fox Sports 1, it's all tied. Three apiece, Minute Maid Park, Houston, Texas. It'll be game seven between the Rangers and the Astros. Max Scherver, Scherzer has struggled, and he'll have a chance to prove his worth tonight. He'll go up against the Astros' Christian Javier uh, in a winner-take-all. Whoever wins the Battle of Texas will head to the World Series to take on either Philly or Arizona. On the NFL side of things, you've got the Vikings hosting the San Francisco 49ers, the Niners are seven-point favorites. Interesting, by the way, is that uh, San Fran is 2-1 and one away from home this year. Minnesota 2-4 and four on the season, but 0-3 at home. 
Uh, there will be no Debo Samuel in the ball game. He's out for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I watched the Vikings last week against the Bears. They're not very good. Nah. Uh, San Fran had their what the hell game last week against the Browns, where they lost. Yeah, I, I think they'll they'll show out probably. I don't. I don't they'll know be fine. Yeah. I, think I just need TJ Hawkinson to score eight point zero seven fantasy points for me tonight, and I eight point zero seven. I, I actually down to the point. The point eight point zero seven is all I need. Nine. Get it. Get him so, to nine. Win I, I'm not going to ask for too much. I just need just enough to win. <laughs> I actually won this week, and it was like I think the guy forgot to set his lineup. To be honest, I don't. Mm. I don't think he's I hate got those any guys. chance. So he's still got. Yeah, he's still got an 11 percent chance to win because he's got Madison from Minnesota going tonight. But yeah. uh, man, oh man, I dodged a bullet because I uh, I heard Trevor Lawrence may be questionable, right? So I benched Trevor. Lo and behold, he played, scored twenty, and I put in. I picked up Brian Hoyer for the Raiders, <laughs> who, who proceeded to score zero points um, <laughs> and against the Bears. Uh, lucky for me, though, had the Bears defense, which put a hung a. Oh, that solid, offset it. Yeah, uh, hung a solid thirty-four on there for me, and then George Pickens from the Steelers just went off. I mean, he. Uh, he had a really big game, five catches, 107 yards. Amari and St. Brown losing effort was good for me. But, man, oh, man, that, that leaving Trevor on the bench, that could have cost me. But, uh, yeah, this guy, he's got, like, no starting running back, no starting receiver. I think he forgot. But and, I, and there's still an 11% chance he can win. How how bad am I at fantasy That is your team. <laughs> I am awful. Dude, I mean, it's like if he, if he comes back and wins tonight, man. That, that would suck. Uh, he's got Brian Alec too, uh, from the 40s. I don't know, man. I don't know. So, uh, who's the best team in the NFL? Chiefs, Eagles? Chiefs. Has to be. But those teams are on a collision course again. Oh, in my you think? San Fran, that's strong. I contender. love San Fran, too. I mean, I, I, I don't think some of these other teams are worth a diddly damn. To be honest with no. you, I uh, uh, I know like um, the there's some divisions that are just, just I mean the NFC South man I mean the, the Falcons <laughs> the Falcons could win it <laughs> would they be insane probably we will see win. another year where a less than 500 team gets into the- you'll probably <laughs> yeah, see that too <laughs> I'd watch whoever comes out of the AFC North too whether it's the Ravens Steelers Browns or Bengals those are usually tough outs. But man, the Chiefs. I mean, the Jaguar. The, to me, the Jaguars. They have a good record, but they're not not quite as good. Does that make sense? Yeah, uh, yeah. The Dallas Cowboys will always lurk. I think the Detroit Lions. People were talking about how good they were. They are who we thought they were after getting smacked by the Ravens this past weekend. Uh, you know, not buying the Seahawks, Rams, Saints, uh, Packers are two and four. Bears obviously are the Bears. Um, I, I, I think Eagles and Chiefs, man. I think the Lions, I, I think they're pretty good. They ran into a but That Ravens defense is good. They're, that oh, Ravens yeah. defense can play. And Lamar Jackson went off, too. So, when he goes yeah. off and they play defense, they're they're one of they're a pretty tough team. But, man, I just don't know. I just uh, – and thank you. And thank you, 76, by the way. 
he joined Carolina Rise today and ordered some hats. So All you're doing right. your part. Thank you. Believe All it or right. not, not a lot of people can, not a lot of people cancel Carolina Rise after a loss. Uh, it's it's something that everybody, us going to trust everybody's been concerned about. Obviously, because people get mad, but uh, the people that cancel, uh, it's always like one or two, and they they usually cancel and come back, uh, and really they don't give. I mean, I respect everybody that gives any amount they can, but let's just say it doesn't hurt the bottom line. Mm. Uh, so hats off to you Gamecock fans that get it, that know that you're not protesting anything uh, if you quit an IL. I mean, it's not, that's not, that's not going to change anything. You just may make, make, if you, if it's to make yourself feel better, great. That means you probably don't get it. Uh, Cause it's really, if you're a fan and you still care about the program, it's like punching yourself in the face with a bag of hammers, you know? <laughs> That that to me that's sadistic, <laughs> you know. I, I get canceled, everything else. Not listening to the show, don't want to read articles, trying to distance yourself from it. I get that, but that whole thing. And thank God we haven't had that situation because that could, man. If you have mass people pulling out of that, it just makes the whole program worse. No matter who the coach is, who the players are, no matter what. So I want to shout out to the fan base. Uh, for supporting NIL still, kind of seeing the forest through the trees uh, in that situation. Opposite what I asked in the NFL, who's the worst team in the SEC? I think it's still Vanderbilt, but they're getting better. Is it Vandy or Arkansas? See, Arkansas has too many close losses for me to go there. That's true. Uh, They're not getting blown out. They're just losing heartbreak. I think it's Pittman's own damn fault, though, because, man, you have to – you fire Dan Enos. Dan Enos is one of the most interesting characters ever. I mean, how – I mean, this is a guy – all right, so here's how his career is going. Like, this is a guy who's head coach at, I think, Western Michigan, winning, right? Resigns from there, goes and takes the OC job with, with, with Belima at Arkansas, our boy, right? They do pretty well. So he leaves and takes a job at Alabama, where he's kind of the co-OC. Um, I don't think he liked working for Nick Saban. Because uh, remember, famously, after um, I think Sarkeesian left, or it was one of those, it was either Sark or Kiffin. It was Sark, I think, left to go to the Falcons um, or, or to, the, to Texas. Enos was supposed to be the guy. And they got in a meeting and Saban's like, where the F is Dan? Where's Dan? Where the f- is Dan? Uh, Coach Dan left and took a job at Miami as the OC under Manny Diaz. <laughs> so he goes there, and it's a complete disaster, and I think he got fired there. And then he goes to Maryland, and they start going off. Well, during that time, Dan goes and meets with the Philadelphia Eagles, and I was told this from an excellent source that knows him, and really helped the Eagles coaching staff develop an offense that works for Jalen Hurts in the NFL. So there's a big positive, right? Big positive for Dan. Well, then he gets a chance to go back to Arkansas and leave Maryland because you just never know what Maryland. I mean, you know, you may get fired tomorrow. Uh, and he goes and he only lasts uh, seven, eight games. And now he's fired again. Mm-hmm. So what, is there a more enigmatic, weird offensive coordinator in college football and the sport than Dan Enos? Where, where, like, there literally is a pile of good and a pile of bad. He has been at 13. 
14 different college football programs. How I, I, and that's, that's 13, but he's been at Arkansas twice. As you just said a minute ago, he's been at uh, Michigan state twice because he started there as a GA and then he came back um, in uh, 2006 and he has been at Cincinnati twice. So technically I guess that's 16 stops, but 13 different programs. I mean, I do know how you do because like when you're good, you're just desperate for good coaching to get you at least in a better spot than you are. But if you are a good program, why would you hire Dan Enos? He's not staying. He's going to be in the door and he's going to be out the door within a year, if not two. Oh, by the way, I I was wrong. He was at central Michigan, which is the best of those directional Michigan jobs. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Central's where Brian Kelly and Champions yeah. of Life came from. and He's been at every school in Michigan. He's been at Northern Michigan. He's been at Michigan State. He's been at Western Michigan. He's been at Michigan uh, Central Michigan. And he's been at Michigan. That's five now, schools in Michigan. Has he ever transferred from a Michigan to a Michigan? Or is he always like, I got to get yeah. the hell out of here? And then he, he was comes a home. running backs coach at Michigan State. <laughs> and then he left and took the head job at Central Michigan. I mean, well, he's a, you know, he's a Michigan man. Maybe Michigan State can hire him as, the, as their new head coach because I don't know who else is going to take that job. This guy, you can't – I don't know. All right, so he's yeah. gone. He's gone. Arkansas is uh, one of the worst two teams in the league. At the end of the year, J.C., it's hard to imagine Dow Logan's not getting a phone call. For O.C.? That's if, one. If, if that's more. one thing to be concerned. I think. I think if you're the Gamecocks, and, and I may get lit up for this, and I may be completely wrong because it may be the point where Arkansas says we have to go get somebody proven. But I think he's in the mix for the head coaching job out there. Yeah, he might be. Might I, be. I mean, I, I think Donald's on that list, um, and you can assure yourself he is on the list. For OC, the question is, you know, uh, what's the situation here versus there as far as security goes? Or do you go out there and you think, well, if Sam Pittman gets fired in the middle of the season next year, I will be the interim and I'll have my shot at my dream job. But then that's risky too. So I, I don't know. Dowell's an interest. Dowell in Arkansas, it's an interesting, um, interesting thing. Uh, to kind of consider with all that. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, I don't, yeah, he's in a great spot, personally. It, Quantrell yeah. says if the hedging job comes open and they want him, he's gone. Absolutely. And you do nothing but wish somebody like that the best, you know, when yeah, you're going to be. Salma Mata, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no he, doubt. And hog, even, if he, if, even if he went back as an offensive coordinator, I, there's no way just, I wouldn't absolutely understand every ounce of that decision. Just like, it look, would, yeah, uh, yeah, if he does. Yeah, I mean, think about how many coaches from Arkansas have come here. Mm-hmm. Ellis Johnson came home. Lorenzo Ward followed Ellis. Uh, you know, uh, Justin Stepp came home. Uh, Taylor Edwards used to work in Arkansas. Uh, you know, there's a lot of coaches that have made their way east from that program. Going back to, like, John Thompson, who Spurrier hired, he had some – and Dave Womack had some some ties to Arkansas. I mean, it's it's been weird how there, there have been guys at both programs that kind of crisscross – uh, heck, their running backs coach Jimmy Smith is a South Carolina native. Yeah. So uh, he, uh, you know, they've got 
it's just been weird through the years. Even even right, yeah. Oh, Travis Williams from Spring Valley, who played at Auburn, is their D coordinator right now. Right. So, uh, which that hasn't been the problem. Um, I mean, defensively, they have not been lights out. They're not one of the best defenses out there by any stretch of the imagination. They just can't score. Uh, their offense has struggled. You know, Barry Odom. You don't just lose Barry Odom and replace him. And I love. I think Travis Williams is a. A really good coach and up and comer. He's a South Carolinian, but uh, <clears throat> I think that um, you know, I, I, I think that you just can't lose Barry Odom and think everything's going to be hunky dory on that side of the ball, uh, especially with the players they lost too. And and defensively, Arkansas has been a revolving door with the portal. I mean, they've gotten a lot of guys in, but they they if you look at their personnel year to year, there's guys coming and going constantly. Uh, and I don't know how good, good that is if, if you're trying to have a cohesive deal and, and all that. But, man, Dan, you know, so he needs to be in a Dos Equis commercial. Most interesting man in college football there. I mean, really. 13 jobs. And all around, man, yeah. 13 jobs, bolted on Nick, walked out on Nick Saban. Yeah, I don't <laughs> know. Where the hell is Dan? You know how sometimes Nick will rehire somebody? I don't think he's on the rehire list. He's not on the rehire list. <laughs> no, yeah, it's not, uh, not going to come. <laughs> you know, that's 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 not. Yeah, it's not yeah. going to happen. Uh, yeah. Jay Diz, you heard wrong about J- Jimmy Smith was set to come, but Shane shot it down to keep artistry. That's not true. That was a huge rumor last year. I do think if something happened to Mo Hardesty and he left, and I don't, I, I'm not making a case either way for it. Right, that Jimmy Smith would be the guy they called. Don't get me wrong. I mean, there's enough people. There's three coaches. Uh, there's two coaches and a recruiting coordinator on staff that are very, very familiar with him. Plus, he's from here, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, there was a lot of talk about Smith, Rocket, Sanders, whatever, that was just completely made, pulled out of thin air. That was just talk last year. Um, not saying it wouldn't have been a good thing had it happened, right? I'm not. I'm not. I'm not defending anybody here. I'm just saying. That was one of the most unfortunate things about last offseason. So, um, and I think it was kind of a lesson learned on a lot of uh, a lot of people's end. That, like you, you got to when stuff like that happens, and you're like us, and you're trying to get info. You almost need to like not pick up the phone for a lot of people because they're going to fill your head full of rumors that they've heard, and then you're going to lend credence to it. You know, and I think I'd have been much better at reporting last year had I done that and just listened to the people that I trust uh, instead of quite, you know, trying to dis, you know swallow every rumor. So uh, hopefully if there's a lot of transition this all season, I, y'all, y'all get a better job, for, a better performance from me. Uh, Cause I'm, I, I'm going to check myself on that. Um, Cause last year was embarrassing in a lot of ways on that end. And that Jimmy Smith thing was one of the more embarrassing things that happened. Well, you got that right. There's a lot of Woo! stuff last year that was float, floating around because of uh, uninformed people up like there. Like the but, turd, uh, like the like the baby Ruth at the beginning of Caddyshack. That's right. <laughs> you got that right. Uh, it's not a turd, JC. You could eat it. You, you got that right. There's no. I'm all right. Uh, Sean, we we don't uh, we don't dabble in hot seats. So, uh, sorry, bud. All yeah, right, I can't. I'm not gonna get, I mean, you, you, hey, Sean, you could take a guess. Yeah, yeah. That's I mean, right. I think there's some obvious, but we're not going to do that. I, I don't like doing that, even 
No. We don't I mean, look, that. I had my reasons to put Marcus Satterfield on the hot seat three games in. I think I was absolutely correct and justified in doing it. Knowing it, and it was for reasons way beyond what you saw on Saturdays. It was the whole process. It was just doomed to fail. Nobody can coach that. Nobody, you can't coach the way he tried to coach and be successful in college football. And that was my. That's what pissed me off about the whole thing. And when he decided, when and look, look what happened when they decided to change change his DNA a little yeah. bit. And that pissed me off even worse. So, but that that's an outlier for me. You're not going to hear me go. Uh, I'll be critical, but I'm not going to sit here and put people uh, the hot seats are out of control and, and so many people want clicks and views and th- they'll, they'll make a hot seat list in June you know yeah. I mean you know and, and I, re- I remember a few years ago when Les Miles got fired after two games the, Les wasn't even on the hot seat list in June so, so how the hell are you going to have a hot seat list and you miss the guy gets fired two games in maybe you shouldn't have a hot seat list and, and, and intentionally piss people off and you know, make their families go through this and all that. That's what uh, that's what clicks are for. All right, uh, one forty-eight final timeout of the afternoon inside the Gamecocks. The show built by the Barndo Co. We'll be right back. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say, and so does the Barndo Company where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. Welcome back, everybody, inside the Gamecocks, the show. Final segment of the show, 10 minutes till 2. You know, talk about hot seats. Mine's getting a little warm. I've been in it since 9.30 today. Yeah, I know, exactly. We'll be out of here in nine minutes, thankfully. I've got to drive uh, across town. So we've got um, we've got busy, busy, busy days. Tomorrow will be a, another one with Hale McGranahan joining us and mike morgan as well mike will also be here on wednesday this week uh, a little bit of program update he'll be oh. traveling on thursday as he's set to call some kentucky basketball stuff on friday so he's gonna have to jump in in the uh the middle of the week this time around and uh, we're certainly looking forward to getting him in and we'll see if we can't uh also get uh, our winner from the salsaritas fab five challenge this past Not weekend, a week for us on the Fab Five, man. No, I think I was two and three. I was two and three, right? 
I know. Uh, I got you at three and two. Three and two? Was that three and yeah. two? Yeah. I was three and two. You're right. Yep. Yeah. Three and two. Okay. I was um, two and three. We had our first offer this year uh, for, of the year. Oh, yeah. Who's that? Looking at you, Mr. Schubert. Mr. Schubert. <laughs> All right. Oh, I didn't win anything. No, I, yeah. I, I didn't win a damn thing. I, I, I seriously, like all my picks last week, like yep. as bad as the previous week was, it got worse for years truly until the Clubs of Miami game. Mm-hmm. And I, because uh, I switched gears, uh, I, I picked Clemson during the week, right you know, here on the show. And I was so distraught. I was like, the only thing that's going to make me feel better is if Miami wins. And I'm not going to feel <laughs> that much better if I don't bet on it. So I took about a 50, 50 spot, <laughs> threw it down on there. And, Money uh, line. <laughs> we, went, we, went, we went back to the bar. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you yeah, know, there, there were some, there were some, there were not, not many Clemson people there. There were some Miami people there and some Michigan folks there. And, uh, I think we made it till about the third quarter and came back and ended up watching it. But uh, we uh, and then the Bears won yesterday, so I won that one. So I'm back on a winning streak. But yes, that was terrible. <laughs> that was awful. So yeah, uh, yeah. They call that a winning streak. They call, they that, call a that a winning, winning. streak. All I right, ten minutes to game time. Everyone gather around. <laughs> I, I want to point out uh, uh, one final time here before this 2 o'clock uh, ceremony begins with today's uh, uh, celebration of the life of Tommy Moody. Uh, if you are interested and have the means uh, to do so, and it doesn't have to be much. It could be whatever amount is appropriate for you. Uh, the Tommy Moody baseball scholarship has been developed, and I, I just retweeted that again as well. If you uh, follow me on Twitter, if you will, please share that. We would really appreciate it. Uh, Baseball only receives 11.7 scholarships, and this is a way to honor Tommy Moody uh, in lieu of flowers with donations. You will be able to uh, make those checks payable to the USC Educational Foundation and mail them uh, to uh, the Rice Athletic Center in Columbia. All that information is available on the graphic that's on my Twitter page. But uh, starting in about seven minutes will be the celebration of life for Tommy at Founders Park in Columbia, and I uh, want to make sure that we once again pass that along as he only passed away less than a week ago here, and uh, there's still a lot to be done on that standpoint. I, From what I understand, I did speak with Derek over the weekend, that they have, they have really, really received an outstanding response from Gamecock baseball fans uh, in, in honor of Tommy and getting some cash to this, um, this scholarship. So to you baseball fans – Thank you very much. This is the uh, this is uh, a, a big win for Gamecock baseball, and um, looking forward to seeing them put that money to use very, very soon. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. Hey, we can't um, people. Yeah, to, other stuff going on. It's very sad. Still, yeah, yeah it's just been, it's been brutal. This has been, br- I mean, it really has been. It's, it's one of, the, it's just crazy. It's just crazy. Uh, that, that even, yeah, just crazy. So Astros, and Phil- Astros and Phillies in the World Series, JB, we were just asked by Quantrell who we pull for. I'm going to ask, God, it's tough to say. Uh, can they uh, both lose? Yeah, yeah man, that's, that's, I like neither. Man, that's right, it's man. like asking me to eat. Liver or 
gizzards. I don't know. I I would. I'd probably. I don't know. I've never had anything against the Astros until recently. You know, until like the last few years. I've always hated the Phillies. If you're a Braves fan, you can't pull for the Phillies. So, I don't know, man. I guess. But Houston's won it twice in a I, I don't know. I won't. I'm not, you know. I'm, don't, Quantrell, quit asking questions like that. Come on, man. Quit asking good questions, Quantrell. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wanted to say Quantrell. You can't be better than that. You can't be you you're my, you're my guy. Like, come on, man. Quantrell like actually asked the best, most thought provoking questions. He asked earlier. Oh, if no, we, he does if it we, not anymore. He's in if last we bench now. He said if we bench Cade Kublinik, uh if we were Dabo. And my answer to that would be if I had a backup. They don't have a backup. Even uh, though there's a there's a dad in Columbia who thinks his son should probably be starting and he hates Carolina for not recruiting him, but that's for another day. Uh yeah, and your son uh, ain't gonna be playing either. If he ain't on the field now, he ain't gonna get on the field. So, I know who you're sorry. talking about. That's yeah, uh, he's big time. He's big time. That's, that's big time. Very interesting. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean Quantrell. I mean, come on. <laughs> I don't care. To be like guy. Hey, you no, want to know so why? I hope wins. Happen. I hope somebody wins in four because it's going to be. I'm not going to watch it. <laughs> Quantrell's yeah, so like the stumper. Like you're on a game show, you don't want Quantrell to ask you questions. No, stumpy. No, probably not. I think uh, what we need to do is just make sure the Rangers win tonight, and uh, make sure that Arizona ties it up, and then just wins it in Game Seven, and then you'll have the Gamecock series. You'll have. I mean, that's what I'm praying for: is that Walker walks to the plate versus Gumby. You know, Walker, Gumby in the World Series. Be a great moment. I'd watch that. Yeah, it would definitely be worth a look. Oh, I mean, shoot, yeah, absolutely. It'd be so unique. Carolina baseball has had just some incredible big leaguers, and I I knew that Jordan Montgomery, I knew he'd get there. But, boy, he's turned into something really special. Walker, you kind of knew from day one, like, this guy – as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be in the big league for a long time. God, he um, yeah, <laughs> but but Gumby, you know, you kind of thought like he had some things he needed to work on a little bit. If he gets it going, he's got a chance. He's been good. He has been good. That's pretty neat to see. So we'll uh, we'll see. But uh, I'm predicting the Rangers win tonight. Who you got, Phil? Mm, I'm going with the Rangers too. Rangers win. Who you got, JC? Astros. Well, you and Quantrell, y'all enjoy your World Series then. That's the only time, like the only time I've ever, and I, I don't, I don't think I picked against them when they played the Braves in the World Series. I thought, I think I thought I picked the Astros to win, but every time I go against them, they disappoint me severely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That World Series, notwithstanding, uh, all the times they played the White Sox and beat the crap out of them, and all this other stuff. Brother, I just don't. I just don't think the Rangers are going to win. I just don't. It's, they're very. Uh, we'll have an average World Series. Well, for the sake of baseball's humanity and sanity, I hope that they find a way to get it done. Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, that's Don't, what I hope. Don't Staley will be happy if the Phillies win. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, well, she's certainly happy today after they drubbed Rutgers last night, 110 to 55. They were up 21 to nothing to start the game. It's a it's a new version of Gamecock women's basketball, and uh, they were sharp shooters last night for South Carolina. Pretty raining good. them in. It's not that uh, defense yeah. first kind of deal. It'll be interesting this year. I'm excited. Great game, too, and the purpose behind it, Phil, in honor of Nikki McCray-Pinson, who passed away uh, this past summer. So hats off to Don and everybody for getting this thing done. Night for game so next play, by the way, Notre Dame in Paris, France, on November the 6th. Love Yes, Dusty's still the manager in Houston. Probably the best. Well, he's top three manager ever. That's incredible. Thanks to, uh, speaking of incredible, so is Patrick and John Whittle. JC just froze on us. Oh, there he is. No, oh, no, I was oh. going to say something. Somebody asked about my shirt. It's not John Wayne. No. It's, uh, <laughs> it's Wolverines from Red Dawn. Red Dawn. Which is another 80s movie they should have never, ever remade. That's a good point. Well, yeah, the, the remake sucked. Man, real quick. Well, I, yeah, Swayze, I put, Charlie Sheen, Thomas yeah. Howell. Put down your phone and drive. I stand by that. I got hit yesterday again, guys. First time I'm even telling y'all that. By another person driving around, not paying attention with their cell phone. That's twice in five weeks. Hey, Phil. Sorry to hear hit. that, Phil. But somebody driving around not paying attention on their phone. So, come on, y'all. Get your crap together. <laughs> See you tomorrow inside the game. Show. Sorry to Phil and his car. 